Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Chris Hart and Gary Dickman, the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. It's Sports Animals time, as you heard here on ESPN Honolulu. Chris Hart with Tanner Hayworth. And, uh, boy, our, let, let's get right into it today. Our uh, th- Three things you need to know. We might even stretch it to four this morning on your way in. But, well, March Madness is here. Remember when we told you that, uh, you know, <laughs> that Cal Poly wasn't very good? Well, they beat Long Beach State opening round of the Big West men's basketball tournament. Cal Poly beats Long Beach and they beat him in a bad way, 88-68. to 68. I mean, if we want to have a flashback a couple, to a couple months ago, Cal Poly, this was a team that we were up, like, what, 20 up on them, and then they surged all the way back to where they That's only right. lost by, like, a couple of points. It's shown that uh, Cal Poly has it in them to win games, uh-huh. but they just haven't, you know, the it just hasn't bounced their way. But obviously <laughs> last night they get the two. The, the 20-point victory over Long Beach. So, hey, you know, a couple of basketballs bounced their way, it sounded like, last night. I wonder if Joe Lenardi is starting to pay attention to Cal Poly. Well, anyway, speaking well, of... this is the thing, though. Last, uh-huh. So, so uh, for the Big Sky Champions, um, Northern Arizona University is going to be playing in the championships. They are 9-22. and Nice. So <laughs> that's why they call so, it March Madness. So Cal Poly making this run doesn't sound too absurd when you hear one of the worst teams in the nation could be playing for a spot in the big dance. Nice, nice. And uh, this is your official home for all of your March Madness here on the radio on ESPN Honolulu. Well, speaking of the conference tournament, the Rainbow Wahine tonight face Cal State Fullerton. It's game day. Yeah, big game for the Wahine. Of course, they'll be trying to do the thing that we say it's really hard to do, uh, beat a team three times. Uh, <laughs> but it it is a hard thing to do if it's Cal State Fullerton on the men's side because they beat us twice. It's uh-huh. a whole thing. But uh, Lily Wahine Kapu, all Big West first team, will look to get uh, her third revenge of the year against her former team oh, that's uh, right. in the Titans. And well, see, it's not really her revenge because it should be their revenge. They're trying to get revenge against her because true. she left. And true. I'm thinking, uh, yeah, that's 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 kind of their bulletin board material. But, but anyway, I interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, but totally. I, I, I think I just wanted to add drama because I'm that kind of person. Uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of stuff to look out for. Of course, Hawaii being the three seed uh, with I think I saw a stat where – we are seven and three since the season-ending injuries of uh, Jovi Lefoto and Jackie David in that wow. game. Uh-huh. So it's shown that us, <laughs> unfortunately, in a weird way, us shortening the bench might have right. helped the Wahine in the long run. 
well, as yeah. you know, hopefully Callan Spiller and McKenna Hare get another chance to get to the big dance and after it's almost, last year. And it's it's like it's shortening the bench, but it's shortening the whatever you call the first string too. <laughs> starting lineup. <laughs> starting shortening the starting lineup. Well, it, it gives it gives uh, Coach Beeman a lot less options to kind of you know vary around her uh, her starters, and you know it was something that she did a lot to start the year, just to try to figure out what our starting lineup was. So it kind of felt like by the end we started to get a more consistent lineup of I believe it was like uh, Kelsey, Lily, uh, Melani McBee, uh, Callan Spiller, and. Sometimes McKenna Hare, sometimes Ashley Tom. So that would be like the one variation. Mm-hmm. But it seems that that starting lineup with Deja Phillips coming off the bench has been the way for the Rainbow Wahine to win games and really look in charge to finish off the year. So hopefully that was some good momentum to build up as they look to get their second straight uh, Big West title uh, in a row. All right. Uh, if you want to listen to coverage, check it out. It starts here at 6 p.m. tonight on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, 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 the Wahine beat Cal State Fullerton earlier this year, 66 to 53, and on the road we beat them 60 to 54. I think this, um, you know, looking at our probable starters with uh, Kelsey Imai and Lily uh, Wahine Kapu, Melanie McBee, and Kalen Spiller. You know, I like the fact that Imani Perez, at this young age, is getting all you know all this playing time. Um, it's just going to bode really all well big for West our freshman future. team as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, but I think that you know this is this is kind of if you want to look at great storylines in sports for the Rainbow, uh, the University of Hawaii, this is a great storyline. You mentioned all those players going out, and then we finish seven and three without them. This is a great story. Right, and you know, to just build on those stories, you get like you were talking about some good playing time from Imani Perez. She was one of the uh, big recruits that Laura Beeman had talked about uh, before the season started. I I can't remember what game it was. It was one of the games we lost close by the end of the year. She got us close to winning I, against the top team in the Big West with a three. Now you don't really see Imani Perez shoot a lot of threes so maybe that's something that will kind of grow into her playing style because especially you see how uh Callan Spiller uh is pretty deadly from three even though she's our center for most of the time uh-huh. I think as the years go on it's like we lose Callan Spiller after this year due to right. you know uh eligibility and all that good stuff uh-huh. so maybe uh Imani Perez and Nena Orgy are kind of ready to take up that uh the eventual void that's going to be mm. there alongside a healthy Jackie David as well. Right on. Uh, let's move on. Big day in the NFL yesterday. I don't know where to go first. The Giants or Aaron Rodgers talking to the Jets? You pick. How about Lamar Jackson getting the non-exclusive tag? <laughs> I think that's the biggest piece of news from of the three big things that happened in the NFL. Because with the non-exclusive tag, Lamar gets the ability to talk to other teams uh in at on March 13th. That's the date when he gets to start. I think that's uh really important to say cuz a bunch Monday. of owners Is that Monday? Uh yeah. yeah. Tuesday, Tuesday. They say this Monday. because within an hour of Lamar Jackson getting the non-exclusive tag, about 7 teams have come out came out and said, "Oh, we're not interested." Okay. Which was so really let's, interesting. Let's, let's go let's go back before hold put a pin in that for a second. The non, there's an exclusive franchise tag and a non-exclusive franchise tag, uh, if you're just tuning in. 
and Lamar, if you got them, gave him the exclusive franchise tag, he's yours, and you pay him $48 million, he, whatever it is. He's yours to negotiate with up until July 15th. Okay. And so July that, 15th is when he has to sign the franchise tag or else he becomes a free agent. Or he sits out. I thought or he, he had sits to out sit out. It's it's weird. It's yeah. It's a, it's a. I remember Josh Norman from the Carolina Panthers sure. a couple years ago. They mm-hmm. put the franchise tag on him, and by July fifteenth, the Panthers rescinded the tag, and he became a free agent late into free agency. So uh-huh. it's happened before in the past. But you're right. Then he or he would have to sit out a year. I know you have experience with uh, franchise tag players not exactly uh, being happy <laughs> that they're franchise tagged. With the well, Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Are you talking about Le'Veon Bell? Yes. Okay, because Le'Veon Bell would, he would, um, yeah, he, he ended up sitting out a year. Uh, but anyway, so the, the exclusive tag is yours. Now, non-exclusive tag, he gets paid less, th- down about $32 million. And uh, a team can make him offer. Then the Ravens are, are can match that offer to keep him but there's talk of if you there's an article yesterday at profootballtalk.com and when you there's really talk about collusion in the nfl again i don't get it why would nobody want lamar jackson why would the owners get together and say hey you know what don't touch the guy leave him for the ravens i'll give you one reason the cleveland browns jimmy haslam and the cleveland browns gave probably one of the most uh, players secure contracts of all time to Deshaun Watson with that fully guaranteed contract. And you saw last year when that happened, I think it was the uh, it was the Ravens owner that made a Twitter post and basically said, I wish this wasn't the first guy that got this contract. Mm. Because now it started this domino effect for the Baltimore Ravens. The guaranteed money you're talking the about. Gu- yes, the guaranteed money. So what Lamar wants, if what from what we can uh, glean from this and the owners, you know, coming out and saying they don't want uh, Lamar Jackson, is Lamar Jackson wants guaranteed money. That's mm-hmm. what he's looking for. He's looking for either a fully guaranteed contract or a lot of guaranteed money. Because like as we know, Lamar Jackson tends to get hurt a couple of times. I would say a lot more recently. Uh, rather than uh, earlier yeah. in his career. Well, he was hurt, and then it was weird. During COVID, a couple of times, he was sick, but it wasn't COVID. Right. It was really weird. It was weird. I agree with that. But I think what the Ravens want to do with this non-exclusive tag is, because probably Lamar has been talking about this guaranteed contract for about a year with them, and they've been like, oh, we're not going to budge on this. So what they say is, with the non-exclusive tag, they say, okay, go talk to other teams. Go ask them for this money. See what they say. Mm-hmm. And they, they're probably hoping, like, look, go out there, see what they say, and realize that you, the contract you want, it's never going to happen. So when you come back to us, we're going to renegotiate on our terms, and we'll give you the money that we think that you deserve. And I think that that's, the, I think that's what's happening. Do I think there's collusion from the owners to blackball Lamar Jackson because they don't want another Deshaun Watson? Man. I don't think so. I'd like to... I'd like to think with good faith here, but I'd also not be surprised if that was the case. But I wouldn't. The thing that doesn't surprise me is I wouldn't necessarily be mad if the owner said, well, we don't want another Deshaun Watson situation because then we have to start paying all of our quarterbacks 
fully guaranteed contracts. Right. And from a GM slash owner perspective, I don't really know how feasible that is, especially with how much money these quarterbacks are demanding to get paid as right. of late. Sure. And with Lamar Jackson is a guy that, I mean, one of the things they're holding up is he wants uh, fully guaranteed money. I don't know if he's come down off of that a little bit, but um, I could see, you know what, I could see it happen. I mean, I could see collusion against Colin Kaepernick, and I'm. it looks like I, I, you wouldn't be crazy if you said, hey, these guys got together and they just said, hey, you know what, enough is enough. You guys, you want to make money or you want to have, you know, it's let's all work together on this. Right. And I think looking at it, it would be two different situations. First of all, I would say with the collusion of against Colin Kaepernick and collusion mm-hmm. against Lamar Jackson. Uh, obviously, we all know the Colin Kaepernick situation. We all have our different opinions on it. I think we could draw the line right there in Lamar Jackson situation. I think it was from last year. We saw a lot of people have issues with the whole fully guaranteed contract thing. But the the confusing thing is, with all these teams backing out, I think I saw some teams like the Falcons, like the Panthers. Uh, I think the Raiders might be, but I've also seen things that they're still interested in talking with Lamar. Um, These are all quarterback-needy teams, and Mm. all these quarterback-needy teams talked with Deshaun Watson last year. Because we all want to act on our high horse, and you know, I have my opinions on Deshaun Watson and whether or not he should be playing or not. And uh-huh. a lot of people also had their opinions last year. Before he got signed to the Cleveland Browns, I'm sure there were a lot of Atlanta Falcons and Carolina Panthers fans that were very excited about the notion of having Deshaun Watson on their team. Sure. And now and, you look and, at this Lamar situation. The Miami, Dol- the Miami and, Dolphins were in it too. Right. And now you get to now with Lamar Jackson. I'm sure those same fans are want Lamar Jackson. I'm if I was an Atlanta Falcons fan, I'd be I'd be saying, yeah, I understand it's a top ten pick, but I also want Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah, or or it's it's two it's it's two draft picks. Uh, if you want to get Lamar Jackson, it it would cost your team it would cost two draft picks. The this year's draft pick and next uh-huh. year's draft pick. I'd, I'd um, go for it. He's young enough. I mean, he's not even 30 years old. And also, he's 24 and a former MVP. Yeah. Um, Will former, Levis. Not an MVP or, like oh, no, I think years he, ago. I think he's 26, actually. He's either 24 or 26. 26, I say, probably. I say that because Will Levis, a quarterback coming into the NFL this year, is 24. That's ancient. That's ancient in terms of rookie <laughs> years, and I think that's what the COVID <laughs> times did. But I think I just say that because... Lamar Jackson has is a veteran in this league, and he's been in the league three more years than like Joe Burrow, and they're the exact same age. That's funny. So Lamar hey, you know knows what's up, and he knows. I think, I think he knows what he's doing here. But at the same time, I don't think I see much of an issue with the Baltimore Ravens saying, "Go ahead, talk to other teams and see what they say." All right, uh, I tell you what, uh, Gary Dickman's in Las Vegas. He's going to join us next. Let's get into the Rainbow Warrior basketball um, um, team because they have got a big game tomorrow against Fresno State. We'll check your traffic in the meantime and be right back on – what did I say? You said Fresno. Oh, we're not playing Fresno? Cal <laughs> State Fullerton. <laughs> That's in two years for the football team. Woo! We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu.
You know, I'm not the most technical guy in the world. Well, I know who the most untechnical guy in the world is. Jerry Dickman, everybody. Uh, Gary uh, doesn't know how to operate his equipment, but he'll be on soon, hopefully from Las Vegas. Hey, it's the Sports Animals this morning on ESPN Honolulu. Congratulations uh, to Kainoa Wade. Kainoa Wade. Uh, um, Kamehameha volleyball player, 6'8", sophomore, 22 slam downs against HBA yesterday. Woo! That is a one-man wrecking crew. Yeah, that's Charlie Wade's son, but uh, congratulations. Uh, Imua Kamehameha, and, uh, and better luck good, next time, and, HBA. Huh? And that's a good HBA team. I think that's the HBA they team beat that Punahou. beat Punahou. Uh, yeah. to start the season so i saw that in the star advertiser yeah very cool all right let's get back into it we'll, we'll get gary along when he figures out what to do i guess it's i mean it's not even early in las vegas it's like 8 30 in the morning anyway um i found it interesting that it all came out okay so the rumor yesterday or maybe it was the day before was the jets excuse me the packers gave aaron Rodgers permission to talk to the new york jets and now we see a few more details. They met in California. I mean, an army of people from the Jets, including the owner, went uh, uh, flew a jet with a bunch of jets in it <laughs> uh, to California uh, to talk with um, Aaron Rodgers. They all sat in a dark room together, I understand. I'm just joking. But, uh, okay, so the interesting part of this is that if they come out with a deal, you see, we're, we're talking about – how hard it is going to be to sign Aaron Rodgers because he's due 58 point whatever, let's just call it $59 million. So what he's going to, what they're going, the way it would work is if he signs with the Jets, he's under, let me just read it. It'll be easier than fumbling all over it. <laughs> well, from, yeah. But what it is is he's under contract through 2024 for $108 million. So, um, he gets a fully guaranteed $59.5 million this season. What they're going to do is give him a signing bonus for 58.3. So it's like, here's a, okay, you sign with the, uh, sign with the Jets and they hand you a check. Maybe they have direct deposit. They hand you a check for $58 million. Now, don't get that in the hands of the uh, former Mililani athletic director because you'll be missing half of it. But anyway, $58 million you get a check for. So that helps them with cap space and all of that, and it really doesn't hurt the cap space that much at all, including dead money and other things I don't understand. But it looks like Aaron Rodgers would be 
pretty signable if you wanted them, right? Right, and look, it's all a matter of just deals and all this great stuff. Um, I think if I'm looking at the Jets and I'm looking at Aaron Rodgers, sure, it'll be another Brett Favre situation where (laughs) I think that I think the Jets will do fine with Aaron Rodgers, and I think Aaron Rodgers will do fine with the Jets. However, it's more about what the deal is when you are working out how to get Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Because my main question would be, if you're fine with paying Aaron Rodgers all this money, what are you going to trade for him? If you're going to trade more than two first-round picks, why are you even talking with Aaron Rodgers when you could be locking down a much younger former MVP for just two first-round picks in Lamar Jackson. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm baffled. Because, like, when I'm looking at it, you look, if you compare Aaron Rodgers to a guy like Lamar Jackson, who, you know, on the non-exclusive tag on March mm-hmm. 13th can talk with teams, you ask, okay, Green Bay, I, we appreciate that you'll pay, uh, you'll pay part of his contract for us. What uh-huh. do we give you in return? If the deal is more than two first-round picks, if I'm the Jets, I'm saying, sorry about that. The most I could do is two first-round picks because guess what? I can just use those two first-round picks to get Lamar Jackson, who's younger and has a lot more in his career left than Aaron Rodgers. Okay, so what if they don't – no team – say no team wants to give up Let's talk about Lamar Jackson again. A, a first round pick. You don't have to give two first round picks. You do. It's okay, a part so of must... the non exclusive tag. Okay, so this is the, the, what I'm going to be talking about then. I'm getting my quarterbacks confused. Is Aaron Rodgers. They don't have to give, say, two first round picks. They can they don't. give a first round and a, a second round. But and... it's all but it's all according to what the Packers want from the Jets. Right. So the Packers kind of Due to this Lamar Jackson situation, the leverage isn't as uh, pointed to the Packers as much as it was right. before. Right. The Packers, in this situation, the Packers don't have the leverage they need because, you know what, we all know they don't want Aaron Rodgers. The fans don't want him. They want to start new, and they want to start building, uh, rebuilding that team. Right, because we've heard, I've heard so many Packers fans, uh, including Josh Pacheco, just say, can we just do Jordan Love already? We we pay, we spent a first round pick on this guy like thirteen years ago. <laughs> let, can we just like let him play for more than a game? Uh, when Aaron Rodgers, you know, is like not super immunized. Uh, but I look. All I'm saying is this: I'm just not sure what to do with Aaron Rodgers if I'm the Packers. Uh, you hope you that the Jets get, take him because if uh-huh. the Jets don't take him, I'm not sure what other team is willing to do it. Maybe the Raiders, but I don't know if the oh. Raiders want to get one of these young quarterbacks with that seventh overall pick. You know what? I think that the Raiders might take that seventh overall pick, move up, and get a quarterback, uh, and get one of these top quarterbacks. Right. That's that's totally possible. Right. So and in so in the you know full scale of the NFL universe, let's take it to like Aaron Rodgers zone in the full scale of this. A whole universe going on in the NFL. 
what is Aaron Rodgers to this universe other than just a comet? <laughs> you, you sound like Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> you sound like what well, is this? The Pat McAfee show? Well, let, because let's be real. Right now, Aaron Rodgers is an agent of chaos in the NFL. <laughs> I love that. I love Wherever that. he's going to go, something will come with him. And uh-huh. whether it be success, whether it just be one good year before he retires, uh, I just you just don't. I don't think you can put a guarantee on what exactly your return is from having Aaron Rodgers because who knows? He might just take a trip into the Rockies next summer, drink some, <laughs> you know, fine ayahuasca, and realize, hey, maybe I don't want to be playing in the NFL anymore after I made this guarantee to the to this team that I decided to go to. All right, let's get. Uh, I tell you what, John Montgomery's the associate head basketball coach for the University of Hawaii. Uh, he and our own agent of chaos, Gary Dickman, uh, on UH Basketball coming up next here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. All right, I want to get into more on this uh, NFL franchise tag deadline later on with you, Tanner Hayworth. Gary Dickman is alive and well in Las Vegas, and uh, you're all hooked up. How's it going, Gary? Doing well. Finally hooked up and ready to go. It is March Madness, and there's a lot going on here. Yeah, Cal Poly beat Long Beach State yesterday. Beat them bad. Let's get our next guest on. Well, let's talk about the Big West Tournament. Uh, did start yesterday, as you said. Joining us now on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline, associate men's basketball coach for the University of Hawaii, John Montgomery. John, good to have you on. And as Chris mentioned, that's one of the things that shows that anything is possible this week. A team that has lost, I believe, 18 games in a row defeated Long Beach State yesterday. That was crazy. It was, Gary. Thanks for having me on. But, uh, you know, Cal Poly was one of those te- teams that, has played everyone close, and uh, I felt like they were going to get somebody towards the end of the year, and and uh, they certainly didn't do it, but they were close, and then they all of a sudden broke out in the tournament, and, um, you know, they, they really beat uh, Long Beach down. And so, like you said, whoever gets hot at the end uh, it has a chance to win, and it's anybody's ball game. Yeah, and I guess, you know, for the Hawaii game against Fullerton that we're going to talk about, I know Fullerton defeated Hawaii twice this year, so I guess they're the favorite. But those games, both of them could have gone either way. The one-point loss here at the Stan Sheriff Center and then the overtime loss in January up in Fullerton games, that could have gone either way. How do you feel about this matchup, John? Yeah, you know, it's hard to beat a team three times, and so um, in a way that's a positive for us, but – you know, I feel like um, we could have won both those games. We obviously didn't. And, um, you know, I, I feel good about our matchup. You know, the one, one of the things about them is they play small ball. So, they, you know, they're four-man to 6'3". Um, their three-man is like 6'4". And so, for us, we're going to have to take advantage of those guys inside. I mean, they, they like to switch everything. They like to they really get after you um, on the perimeter. So, you know, we got to have a better offensive game plan and, and come into the game really attack them inside and not not allow them to play small and switch everything 
Both teams are good on defense, as you alluded to, the 52-51 score with the final here at the Stan Sheriff Center uh, earlier this season. But you talk about Hawaii's offense. What is going to be the biggest challenge to make sure Hawaii can hopefully get into the 60s, that you can have guys like Noel Coleman, who seemingly has been playing better offensively lately with his numbers, and, of course, Jovan and Kamaka getting their points. What are the keys to make sure Fullerton's defense can slow those guys down? Yeah, no, it's – it's um, uh, you know, like you said, both games are really tight, and they were and they were low scoring games. You know, I think we we put an emphasis on the last few days of a what we call zone one, which is around the paint, is attacking them. We we got to be able to get baskets inside when when they're you know they're six three guys guarding Kamaka on the switch or or whatever it is. We need to be able to um, you know because they are quick on the perimeter, and you know sometimes uh, you know they'll start San Antonio on on Jovan and. Um, and, you know, he was the defensive player of the year in our league, and so it's not necessarily an advantage, and he's playing the four for him. So it's not really an advantage when they switch uh, and, and they have those guys, you know, guarding our perimeter guys because we don't have a, um, you know, maybe a, a quickness advantage to get by him. So we're going to have to attack him inside. I think once you attack him inside, you know, they're going to have to help, and then that's when, you, that's when you're able to kick out and, and get open shots, and, and we've got to be able to knock those down with confidence. And I think, like you said, Noel's, shooting the ball a lot better. I think he's going to have a breakout tournament. And, you know, all really it takes in March is a couple guys got to really perform and, and, and you have a chance to make a deep run. We're talking with John Montgomery, associate head basketball coach for the University of Hawaii basketball team with the Animals on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. As you prepare for Fullerton tomorrow, John, do you look at those two games early this season as a main way to prepare or do you kind of just, you know, more so look at what the both teams have done lately? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, uh, you know, a huge emphasis on, on our last two games. Um, you know, we have the LRSID, you know, given, given our stats of the, just the two games we played against them. Um, you know, we, we, we'll watch the games, to, to, you know, together as a staff. A lot of our, our clips in the, uh, you know, in, in the film we show is from our games because it's, it's always good to see how we, we guarded them and how they tried to attack us and, you know, their game plan versus us offensively and defensively. It's interesting. Fullerton hasn't played in like two weeks. Um, you know, they, they they didn't play UC Davis because of the cancellation, and they didn't play their senior night game against UC San Diego because of the cancellation. And so, you know, certainly they could have added some new stuff, and we'll be prepared for that when it happens in the game. But, you know, it's either a positive or a negative. It's, it could be positive for them that they're fresh and healthy, or it could be negative that they, uh, you know, haven't played and, and – uh, you know, haven't been on the floor in, in a, in a high-level game in a while. So it, it's unique because the last game for them has been a while ago, and it was the first Bakersfield. And so we watched the last couple games, and, and, you know, we prepare to see if they have anything new. But um, I think the emphasis is really on the games we played against them. Yeah, I believe the rust factor does come into play as well. I think another question that a lot of people are concerned about, John, is we know Bernardo da Silva came back, and he did play against Santa Barbara on Saturday. He didn't play a lot, but it looked like he was healthy at least with the ankle. Can you give us an update on his status for tomorrow compared to Morissette, who got his third consecutive start? Yeah, I think uh, we're going to need Bernardo. We're obviously going to need Bernardo to win this, to win this tournament. We're going to need him to play well. Um, he's played well in the games against Fullerton. I think he has an advantage in side scoring on them. Uh, he's more healthy. You know, last time, um, you know, he wasn't able to go on Thursday versus CSUN. And so, really, you know, the, the day in between Friday, we didn't really practice hard. It was more of a walkthrough type situation. And, you know, he felt better and wanted to give it a go on Saturday. And, you know, he was in limited minute uh, situation. But 
Bernard is full go, full go. He's healthy. You know, he's had two really, you know, good practices. He'll have another one today. And so he'll have his wind underneath him. He'll be more confident and, um, and ready to go Thursday. John Montgomery talking UH basketball here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM via the Aloha Kia hotline. I was a little disappointed in a way that Jovan McClanahan only made second team all Big West. I know it was going to be tough with all the good guards uh, making the first team, but what were your thoughts when you heard about Jovan getting second team? Yeah, I thought he was worthy of, uh, of a first team a nomination. Um, I, I think a lot of it plays into where you finished and you know obviously we're the fifth seed in the tournament and um you know and so they they honor the teams that you know the guys that maybe have higher statistics or, or, or finish higher in the standings um you know i thought he was worthy of defensive player of the year as well i mean we were the number one defense in our league and uh you know he's certainly the head of the snake for us there and and you know, and there is a lot of good guards in our league so it, it's uh, there's a lot of good players you look at both first and second team and um, a lot of, uh, you know, worthy nominations there. And so, um, you know, it's a, it's a learning it's, – it's great for him, a great achievement, but I think it's also for him it's a, it's a motivation piece for him to, to, to come back stronger next year as well. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this because earlier this season you guys played UNLV. It was late November, and the game was played at the Dollar Loan Center where the tournament is being held, of course. Is that any kind of advantage for some of the newer guys to maybe get used to the you know, backgrounds and things like that for this new arena for some? Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we play at 2.30 tomorrow, and so most likely won't shoot in the arena until right before game time, and we'll only have about a 20-minute warm-up, and so – uh, there's not, you know, not a lot of chance for us to get a feel for the floor. And the advantage for us is we were able to practice here in, in December and play a game here. And so uh, our guys will, will, will know the arena and know the, you know, the, where the lighting's at and the shooting spots and all that stuff. And so um, I think that was a huge advantage for us. The reason why we, why we play that game, we're excited to play that game. And so uh, hopefully we can use that to our advantage. Well, hopefully so, and uh, like you said, it's hard to beat a team three times. Fullerton got the two wins in the regular season. Let's hope Hawaii will be still playing on Saturday, uh, and it all starts tomorrow afternoon. John, thanks again for joining us. Good luck this weekend, and hopefully we'll have three wins come by Saturday night. Thank you very much, Gary. That's the goal. All right, thank you so much. Associate basketball coach for the University of Hawaii, John Montgomery, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline at Aloha Kia. You know a guy, and, yeah, the excitement is uh, building, building, and it's winner go home, and I think this is a game that really could go either way. Uh, again, I know Fullerton won those two, but those games, as we said, could have gone either way. They are a good team. I do like this matchup as opposed to Riverside as a three seed getting Davis, which is what Hawaii was facing this past Saturday. So I'm feeling pretty good, and more importantly, the team's feeling good about this matchup and maybe getting a little payback. Fullerton is also the team that knocked Hawaii out of the Big West semifinals last year as well. All right, and uh, you can catch the Rainbow Wahine. The broadcast starts tonight as they face uh, a six-seed Cal State Fullerton at 6 o'clock. Tomorrow, uh, we'll start our broadcast at 11.30 uh, with Countdown to Tip Off, brought to you by the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. And uh, that is going to be uh, about a 12.30 tip-off. Number five, Hawaii, taking on number four, Cal State Fullerton here on ESPN Honolulu. And, uh, hey, we got Call the Coach with Charlie Wade coming up. Tuesday at Ruby Tuesday, Moana Lua. 
uh, come on down, and uh, if you're a big volleyball fan, maybe he'll bring his star volleyball player's son with him. Huh? Anyway, <laughs> call the coach, Charlie Wade, 6.30 Tuesday, Ruby Tuesday. See you there, ESPN Honolulu. Hey, it's Hump Day. Tournament time in Las Vegas. Gary Dickman uh, is in Sin City. Chris Hart in the 96701. Tanner Hayworth back in the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu. Yet through technology, we're all together. The Rainbow Wahine, Rainbow Wahine volleyball team played. And it's kind of weird to play in spring. But I guess it's like a spring game in football. But... You know, they lost in five to Minnesota. Uh, they didn't have the entire team there. Uh, some of the ladies are playing beach volleyball. But, you know, it's kind of a, it's 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 heartwar- heartwarming. I'll, I'll use the word heartwarming. It makes me feel good when you look at the players the Rainbow Wahine have coming back this fall. When you mention, you look at names like Amber Igedi, Kate Lang, Tiffany Westerberg, uh, Taylor Ikenaga, Kaylin Alexander, I absolutely love. Kendra Hams, come on strong. Uh, playing beach volleyball, uh, oh gosh, what was the name, Tanner, that I was uh, looking for? Uh, Riley Wagner, yeah, Riley Wagner uh, coming back. I mean, we got pretty good, to, uh, you know, Hawaii is not the perennial top 10 team it used to be under Dave Shoji, but man, I, I you know, I, I'm pretty uh, comfortable with some of those names I just mentioned right there. You have every starter back. The only player that was lost from last year's team, the only senior, was Milana Bird, and uh-huh. that's it. And she was she was the backup setter to Kate Lang. So uh-huh. you get everybody back off of a team that was really good or pretty good and started to play better at the end of the season, especially in Big West play. Yeah, I think this season should be a really good one. With all the experience, uh, I think it's just going to be a really successful season. Hopefully they can start off the season well, but I think this is a good test. Seems like every spring they have a Big Ten team come into town. It was Nebraska once or twice, other Big Ten teams. So it's a good practice, Get you know, let you know where you're at and what you need to work on when the season starts just a few months away. Yeah, if we can turn to, uh, Gary up a little bit, Tanner. But the um, um, Mylana Bird, you know, <laughs> I saw her. What was it? Like a replay of a volleyball game or something? I think it was a men's volleyball game on Spectrum. Boy, she's really good on television. She's, uh, you know, if she if she wanted to pursue a future in in uh, being an analyst, she would be awesome. I thought she was absolutely fantastic. Maybe I'm biased because she is my official social media um, social media consultant. She helps me out with <laughs> the difference between ats and hashtags. But uh, anyway, way to go, Rainbow Wahine. It's six fifty-three. We'll have our uh, we'll have uh, three things you need to know this morning coming up in about ten minutes. How's it going in Las Vegas, GD? Um, it's okay. It's still pretty cold over here. And just to show you what a basketball junkie I am, and Derek Lowe is, we went to the Dollar Loan Center yesterday to pick up our credentials, and there was a women's play-in game going on, and we decided to watch half of it. It was CSUN and Bakersfield. 
Uh, we did leave in the fourth quarter, but it was actually an exciting game. And just to give you something that you can make fun of me about, and I know you'll love this, uh, there weren't a lot of people there. So during a few timeouts, they would show Derek and I on the big scoreboard sitting in the first row and back of the basket. And, well, the way I was sitting, I was going to take a picture, but it would be even worse for me. My pants were maybe down to the high part of my ankles, and I had my big, bright white socks showing. And I know how you hate those. And it was on the scoreboard. Four times during like a ten minute period, they were showing. showing they were going. Look at this old guy's. He's wearing black. He's wearing dark trousers. He's wearing. Um, he's wearing. They okay, weren't dark. Well, okay. So here's a guy. Well, this is a guy who wears will wear black pants. Uh, he'll wear black Velcro tie. Uh, you know, fastened <laughs> shoes with Velcro. You know, the kind that three year olds have because they don't know how to tie don't their wear those shoes anymore. And then, uh, and then he would have uh, white athletic socks with dress pants. Yet he but sees nothing wrong with that. They were khakis. Uh, khakis I was wearing yesterday. So they, they were, were what? Black. They were what? Khakis. It's early in the morning here, too. But it's anyway, not early um, in the morning anymore, Dickman. It's almost <laughs> 7 o'clock. It's 9 o'clock a.m. over there. Come on. <laughs> wow. It's time to end the show at 9 a.m. Uh, but anyway, they had the clothes. I told Josh about it last night. He thought it was very funny. And I knew if I took a picture and put it on Twitter, you would never let me hear the end of it. And you probably won't. Anyway, I didn't need any more ammunition. But it was a good game, and they have signs all over the arena, all over town in Henderson, welcoming fans to this big tournament. So, yeah, the excitement builds, and there's, there's tournaments everywhere. I did get to see Gonzaga and St. Mary's last night in the West Coast Conference Championship. Great atmosphere. Not a great game in that. It was a rout. Well, uh, St. Mary's was down 37 in the second half. Well, it was a great g- game if you're, uh, uh, what's his name, Timmy. Uh, he had a great game, yeah. 18 points. How was St. Mary's a number one seed and Gonzaga a number two seed? They finished in a tie for first place. They split against each other. Whatever the next tiebreaker was, Gonzaga lost a game to Loyola Marymount. And I think that was a lower team than whoever St. Mary's other loss was. So they win the tiebreaker based on their loss to common opponents. Gotcha, gotcha. So, mm-hmm. But it was, a, again, a great atmosphere, and uh, it, was, it was really something to see Drew Timmy, now the all-time leading scorer for Gonzaga. But uh, you're going to the Dollar Loan Center. They've got a great setup there. It's a really nice arena, and uh, I know the, I see a lot of Hawaii fans all over. Actually, even at the Gonzaga game last night, there were Hawaii fans up here for the tournament. So uh, the, everybody getting ready for the Rainbow Wahine today, and I think there's a really good feel for their game. Wow, for the yeah. men tomorrow, it's Fullerton. That's going to be tough, though. And besides that, the Rainbow Wahine are playing too, huh? I think so. I think so, yeah. so. All right. But uh, the uh, excitement is building. Yeah. Three things you need to know coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Coach Timmy Chang joins the Animals in about 30 minutes on ESPN Honolulu. Happy International Women's Day. We celebrate uh, the ladies today. Uh, Today also underscores a woman's right to work, vote, hold public office, and live free of discrimination. Now, according to the World Economic Forum, global gender equality won't be achieved until 2133. That's interesting how far behind we are still in so many ways. Just when you talk about salaries for men and women professionally and everything else like that. But today... International Women's Day. Let's go, ladies. 
You said 21-33 is when they'll be equal? Yeah, that's when the rail's going to finish. Is that your joke coming up? Okay, I was yeah, going to say that good. at Aloha Stadium. Low-hanging yes. fruit, low-hanging fruit. All right, let's get into it here. The uh, um, three things you need to know on your way in today. Well, uh, we mentioned it earlier, Rainbow Wahine and the Rainbow Warrior basketball teams in Las Vegas. It's tournament time. Yeah, I mean, it's a great time of the year, but it's also sometimes it ends so quickly. And for last year's team, uh, they both won on opening night. And the women, as we know, won all three games. That was fantastic. For the men, they did get that first win. I think a lot of people will be judging the men's team on how far they go in this tournament. I already can see it that if they somehow were to lose to Cal State Fullerton tomorrow, uh, everybody's going to be ready to uh, pounce on the coaching staff, more so than the players, how much of a failure the season is. I still won't look at it that way. Let's see how it plays out. But this is when it counts. This is when it matters as far as I think it's fair at some level to judge a team but what they do in March. And for Hawaii, they had a great regular season. They did. It was one of their best ones. It was their best one since 2016. But if they do lose their first game, I think, again, I can understand fans not being happy. One game at a time is a cliche, but I'm hoping they can at least go a little further. We can get into that a little later on. Uh, yesterday, uh, we did have the uh, franchise tag uh, deadline, and uh, we got a, only six, I believe it was six players franchise tagged by their team. But it was uh, a great day for the New York Giants. The Jets are in talks with Aaron Rodgers. Lamar Jackson is being colluded against. We've got an NFL soap opera going on. This is fantastic. And isn't there something wrong with the sport when a guy like Saquon Barkley has to settle for only $10 million, and I think some people are thinking he's underpaid? Well, according to the season he had last year, he is underpaid. Because exactly. he plays running back, and running backs don't aren't valued as they were back in 1981 or whatever it was, you know, they make less money. I mean, $10 million for the best running back in the league, arguably, sounds a little low to me, too. Uh, but when mm-hmm. you get Daniel Jones making forty million with his friend, I mean with his new contract, I think there's something wrong there as well. All right, um, we uh, uh, another thing that you need to know headed on in is boy, we got you know we got basketball going on and you know tournament basketball going on, but we have got a gauntlet facing the Rainbow Warrior volleyball team, and that's going to kick off. Uh, when is it? Tomorrow. Yes. Yeah, so tomorrow, uh, Purdue-Fort Wayne, uh, which is no slouch, followed by the number uh, three and number two team in the country, or number two and number three, Penn State and UCLA after that. This is a totally stacked tournament. What does Charlie Wade have to say about that? Listen to this. I mean, he steps on the court. We hit 632 in the first set, so uh, only Chris Hart says he's rusty. He doesn't have much to say. uh, All right. (laughs) What do you have to say about it, Gary? I have to say that this is a tournament that usually is held at the beginning of the season, the outright, when you have teams like UCLA and Penn State. The last couple of years, they moved it back a little bit right before conference play. But, boy, is it a test. I mean, last week you had Pepperdine, a good team, number seven at the time. But it gets even tougher this week. I'm hoping it will still result in wins. And if we're lucky, well, sweeps as well would be nice. Yeah, the, um, you know, the... The rest of this, the rest of the schedule for the rest of this season, is you know it's it's your Santa Barbara's, it's Irvine's, it's Long Beach State, it's nationally ranked team after nationally ranked team, 
So it's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty rough. Uh, by the way, we have call the coach coming up Tuesday with Charlie Wade. And uh, once again, I asked Charlie Wade how he feels about call the coach, and this is what he said. Yeah, I mean he's. I mean, he steps on the court. We hit 632 in the first set. So uh, only Chris Hart says he's rusty. He's in, uh. Yeah, I don't know why he's still talking about that. But he'll be talking about it at Call the Coach, too. Uh, it's the Sports Animals here in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. Those are the three things you need to know going into work today. Yeah, I guess the football story is really interesting as far as some of these quarterbacks. And the Lamar Jackson news. I mean, I was taking over Twitter yesterday. Now what do the Ravens do? What do other teams do? And it'll be interesting to see how the next few days play out. I don't know if Lamar Jackson took the right route not having an agent, and time will tell. I don't think he's going to get what he initially wanted anyway. But I was a little surprised that the Ravens did it the way they did with the non-exclusive tag. And we'll see if they do match an offer. Because you know somebody's going to give him an offer. If some teams did drop out, as we heard, somebody's going to give him an offer, and it'll probably be a pretty good one. And then what are the Ravens Who would it do be? Next? Who would it be? Because all the teams that we thought were in the running – Came out and said, nope, not interested. Okay, let's say that for some reason, and we're not sure about the, how the Aaron Rodgers will work out with the Jets, let's say. Um, if he doesn't reach an agreement where he'll agree to get traded or Green Bay is just going to keep him or whatever it is where he doesn't end up in New York, the Jets aren't getting Derek Carr. They're not going to get Aaron Rodgers in this scenario. Wouldn't Lamar Jackson make some sense? they got to get a quarterback. they got to make a splash. And I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo would be that guy, but I think it makes sense that the Jets would maybe have that as a third option. Yeah, I, I mean, they, they, they have said they want to go out and get a um, uh, an experienced quarterback. Woody Johnson, the Jets owner, has said that. And he doesn't mind, as he said in the offseason, he does well. It is still the off season. He doesn't mind spending big money to get a quarterback. They've already come out and basically said, "Hey, Zach Wilson's a backup. He's going to be a backup. And maybe down the road he might be able to start, but he's a backup quarterback for us. We are in search of a quarterback now. Whether it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm guessing it's you know Jimmy Garoppolo's. For all the teams who are trying to get maybe, if there are other teams trying to get Lamar Jackson, the Jets haven't come out and said it. The Jets are meeting with Aaron Rodgers. That's who they want. But of all the other teams who have said they wanted him, they've come back and said they don't want to. But anyway, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be an interesting piece, but I don't think he comes into anybody's conversation until after Lamar Jackson, wherever Lamar Jackson is going to do and whatever Aaron Rodgers is going to want to do. Well, definitely not until after Aaron Rodgers, for sure. But I also think one of the things that Jimmy Garoppolo kind of has on his side is that he's not going to cost as much as Lamar Jackson or Aaron Rodgers. And so maybe a team that can't work out the salary cap to work it out with him and needs a quarterback, maybe he could be a good option for that team. And we'll have to see. I also think for the Jets, Mike White should be the backup over Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, just go away. Get out of here. But uh, I, 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 I wonder about Lamar Jackson if somehow they'll keep him after all is said and done. It won't be where he's going to be very happy about how they've handled it or the, the offers and everything with the non-exclusive tag and the lack of a contract with a lot of guaranteed money. Well, but he might not have many options either if other teams are dropping out, as you said. Well, that's why we were talking, Tanner and I, last hour, uh, we're talking about the collusion. Uh, pro football talk or other uh, commentaries have mentioned that they really think that there's collusion going on by other owners because all of these guys who seemed interested in who need quarterbacks and were linked to Lamar Jackson, all of a sudden now he's a non-exclusive franchise tag 
they can go out and get him if they want to trade a couple of draft, uh, first-round draft picks, yet they say, nah, we're not interested. All of a sudden, everybody's not interested? They don't, because of the guaranteed money, they don't want to go through what the Cleveland Browns did with Deshaun Jackson. When they Watson. whiffed on uh, Deshaun Watson, when they whiffed on Deshaun Jackson, he's a pretty good receiver, Deshaun Watson, when when they you know they whiffed on him the first time, then Baker Mayfield wasn't coming back because he was angry. So they went out and said, okay, you know what? Give him whatever he wants, two hundred thirty million guaranteed, and he blew the market for everybody else. So I think everyone's getting together, going, hey, let's all work together, owners. We we don't want this to happen again, because it's going to it's paying that much guaranteed money. Hey, look, Kirk Cousins, the last couple of contracts all guaranteed money but it wasn't stupid money is what deshaun watson's getting so the owners i think are getting honestly i think they're capable of collusion just like with colin kaepernick got together and said hey not this guy let's now more than ever lamar jackson needs an agent i wish he would just figure that out maybe his mom's helping him or something but you know what go out and get an agent and just tack the whatever price you're asking for Tack that on to the agent's fee so you're not going to lose a thing. I mean, come on. It doesn't make sense. It's almost like a, is it an ego problem? It's like you, you, you are in a sticky situation. You need an agent to help you navigate through this. I would wonder if you like players in the past who haven't had an agent, they usually get like a lawyer or an advisor, at least know some of the legal things that are going on for the contract negotiation. But I think also the owners are screwing it up in a way because even though they might be capable of collusion, sure. But you give a guy like Daniel Jones $40 million a year, 15 touchdowns, six interceptions. I think he had a 54. No, it wasn't 54. I forget his completion percentage, but it wasn't great. You're overpaying him, so that's going to set the market. If any quarterback up for a contract is going to look at Daniel Jones and, I'm gonna, and they're going to say, I want more than that for starters. Yeah, but if that's he's getting not, $40 million, okay, everybody else getting, is worth 45 Gary, Gary's not getting $40 million. Now, if he his, a lot of it is incentives. $82 million is guaranteed. So he's got $20 million a, a year that's guaranteed. The deal is worth 160 million. And if he performs well, then well he's worth the 40 million a year. Now if he doesn't perform well, he's got 82 million guaranteed. It's, he's being overpaid. I I I still don't get why well, he back was that like up. that. I just said his numbers. I just said his numbers. That's why he's overpaid. His watch his improvement from last year to this year. Watch his improvement from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. I mean, the guy's he's a bona fide. He's, yeah, he's the not guy's worth $40 million? I just said, Gary, it's $82 million. You, he's, you, he's, Read the read it. It's an, but if he, he's, he's going to be, let's say he's going, he's going to be he, capable, he's eligible for $40 million a year. I don't think the incentives were that tough that he's not going to get. He's probably going to get that. And he's not worth anything. 15, he's not. I know he improved. Improved doesn't get you $40 million or an average. If he's getting that, it's just, I, he's overpaid. I, I don't know how anybody could say that he's getting a fair salary with what I, he did last year. You know, 3,200 yards, 15 touchdowns, five interceptions. Five, Gary. 15 touchdowns, five interceptions. He also ran for 700 yards and seven interceptions. So he's responsible. He ran for seven interceptions? Seven touchdowns. Gary, he's responsible for almost 4,000 yards. 22 touchdowns and five interceptions. 
That's that's pretty good quarterbacking. And uh, last time I checked, twenty-two touchdowns in a seventeen-game season is pretty good. One point two touchdowns a game. Yeah, because it's it, he's he's got he's from where he was to where he is going. That's what they're paying him for. They're they're not paying him on one year. They're saying, hey, we really got something. Brian Dable, their head coach, who turned this team around in one year. I'm sure he's behind this, and he knows a little little more than you and me about this. Where he's saying, you know what? I want this guy. We're on to something. I love well, it. They, I love this. If deal. they really wanted him, they would have signed him earlier to a deal like that. They had. They were trying to get other options. They, they didn't really want to pay him this much. They didn't have any other choice because they don't have him, and he leaves. Who are you going to get? They overpaid him, and they, they know they overpaid him. Fifteen touchdowns does not get you that much. That's his passing numbers. How many quarterbacks were thrown for more than fifteen touchdowns a year and not getting forty million a year? Here, Gary, can I butt in here? Can you name me one receiver on the New York Giants? <laughs> That's a good point. Sterling Shepard. He was hurt since week two. If you ask me to name a receiver, so uh, oh, you got me there, Gary. <laughs> oh my God, name a no receiver. Way. Name a receiver who play, what he means is name, what Tanner's getting at is who did he have to throw to besides Saquon Barkley? Regardless of that, he didn't. So, so because he didn't have anybody to throw to, he's worth forty million for fifteen touchdowns. What he did with what he did nothing. What he did nothing. Yeah, he won a playoff game. Let me finish. He won a playoff game, and that was a big deal. And he played well at the end. The team had a good year. They didn't have any other option. For 15 touchdowns, there's no way he deserved it. I don't care who. And if he doesn't have receivers, great. That's not his fault that he didn't throw for more. But you don't credit him for that. Yeah, but uh, he also had, like, the least takeaway. One of some of the least takeaways in the of the year last year. Daniel Jones improved this year from the quarterback he was in the first three years of his career. Yeah. They should have yeah, taken the fifth-year option, and now they're in this situation, sure. But when you look at the contract situation – He's a $20 million cap hit this year, or uh, next season. He's a $20 million cap hit next season. After that, they can cut him. That's, see, that's what I'm Safely. talking about. This contract is not a $40 million a year contract. That's what I'm trying to get through. But anyway, uh, somebody texted, uh, I guess, on the conspiracy theory. I like this text. Gary is right this time, Chris. Take off your tinfoil hat. There's no conspiracies or collusion. That's a great one. Thank you. Uh, all right, 16 minutes after the hour here with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. And Disney Junior Live on Tour is coming to town March 17, 18, and 19 at the Blaisdell Concert Hall. Mickey and all his friends, Spidey and his amazing friends are going to be there. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. Last night I dreamt I was returning And my heart called out to you But I fear you won't be like I left Good morning, Coach Timmy Chang joins us in about, oh, 10, 15 minutes here on ESPN Honolulu. After we talk to Coach Timmy, we are going to be giving away rainbow baseball tickets. They face UConn uh, coming up Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, I think. I think we've got a Monday game uh, this time out. But anyway, we'll give away tickets to Saturday night at Les Murakami Stadium, Hawaii versus UConn, after we talk to Coach Chang. And, you know, I saw this in the NBA the other night. I'm not sure if people saw this, but I think it was either Sunday or Monday where Giannis uh, was about to get a triple-double. 
and it was near the end of a game, less than a minute left, and the game was already decided as far as who was going to win, and he, he obviously knew he needed one more rebound to get his triple-double. And he went to the basket, threw up, wasn't even a shot, hits he threw the backboard, up? grabs it, and gets the rebound. But I give him one credit for this aspect of that play. After he gets his own rebound off of, barely an attempt at a shot, he didn't shoot the ball into the basket. He wasn't going to you know, make a basket at the end of the game where the game's decided. Most teams will run out the clock. He just dribbled it away. And he gets a triple-double. It's happened like that a few times in history. I've seen those highlights. Yesterday, the NBA took away the triple-double, and they took away that 10th rebound. And their explanation, and it does make sense, you can't get credit for a rebound when it's not an actual attempt at a basket. In other words, he didn't really shoot it at the yeah, basket. It. it wasn't a real shot. I he saw just it, really yeah. barely hit the backboard gets the again at the time it was a rebound. So I, I don't blame the NBA for doing that. And maybe it'll show people if you're gonna get it the that way, you're not gonna you're gonna lose out in the long run. And I love Giannis and again I'm glad that he didn't score after that. But it was just when you get a triple double that way, I wouldn't be happy about that. Well, because it's, it's not, not a right. real tri- it's not a real triple double. It's like Michael Strahan getting the sack record yeah. and Brett Favre took a dive. I'm glad that they did that. It's like in college basketball, I don't know how it is in the NBA. Uh, I won't start paying attention until the playoffs come. But in college basketball, the flopping rule, right? It's like, okay, stop it. You guys are taking this too far. This isn't real. It's like the home run that uh, Cal Ripken hit in the All-Star game, right? It's that does really Uh, Magic Johnson, when he came back from, uh, when he came back from uh, AIDS and he played in the All-Star game and everybody kept just giving the ball to him, nobody played defense, that wasn't real. you got to get this stuff out of sports. Come on, Giannis. Is your legacy going to be tarnished because you didn't have a triple-double? I find that out of character for a guy like him. I really do. I would expect something like that from Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Yeah, it was out of character. Again, that's why I give him credit at least for dribbling the ball away after that instead of scoring. That would have even cheapened it even more. At least, you know, with Magic Johnson and Cal Rickman, those were exhibition games to start with. So I, I, you're right yeah. about it. It was still, you know, fabricated, so to speak. In a regular season game, when you're doing that, it's really, really bad. And I, I don't like those plays. It's just, I mean, especially as a pro to do so. First of all, why is he in a game like that and how? to be aware of how many rebounds he had, that's the part that almost bothered me the most, that he knew he had nine rebounds. Now, the stats are on the scoreboard all around the arena, but why are you looking at that? Or did somebody, maybe somebody told him, you know, you're one rebound away. That shouldn't be the focus on that level that you're aware of that and trying to get a triple-double unless it happens naturally. Mm. I I got a text from a friend. He says uh, maybe... That, uh, that that he's Jokic has so many triple doubles he's trying to keep up in the MVP race. That's legit. Well, I think if I'm not mistaken, I believe that was going to be his fourth triple double of the year. He doesn't get triple doubles like Jokic. Jokic gets them like every other game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he missed one by he missed one by one rebound the other day. And there was somebody on TV. I think it was Kendrick Perkins is saying that he's getting it. He's he's not getting it the right way. He's going after triple doubles. I don't think that's the case. I mean, there was talk with some <laughs> Wait a minute, wait a minute. Going day. after triple doubles? Isn't Another that word, the point to get as many points as you can, as many rebounds no, that, that, as you can, as many assists as you can? No, but he, he was purposely like some. There's been talk, and I forget which player it was years ago, that the players would let him get the rebounds. They would purposely let him go in for the rebound to add them up. 
mm-hmm. to get that total up there instead of getting get in the natural way. I, I don't know if that's true. And again, it was I think it was just Kendrick Perkins. That's not something that's widespread about Jokic. I mean, I, and I don't like that either. He's a triple-double machine, and I don't think he has to get him the fake way. He gets him legit. And that's fine. I mean, he's almost – I'm not sure if he's averaging a triple-double, but he's right around there. Mm-hmm. For a center, that's incredible. But for Giannis, he's not anywhere close to Jokic. So I don't think he's trying to catch up because it would take him several years uh, to, even just for one season to catch up. So, again, I'm, I'm, I don't mind the NBA doing that. If you're going to do it, at least make it look a little bit more believable. I mean, just something like you might do in a shoot-around, just barely attempting to shoot. And, you know, it did, it did kind of cheapen at the time. But, again, I can't believe that an NBA player would know, hey, I need one more assist. And you've heard stories in the past. And I know college players have done that in the past. Maybe not a lot, but you hear stories where they knew they were, you know, this close to a triple-double or even a double-double for some players. Why would you be aware of that during a game, especially on the pro level? That, that's the, one of my first thoughts on that. Still, I, I, I don't lose respect for him or anything like that, but all right, all right. I, I think a lot of guys know where they are. An assistant coach will tell you, uh, I've read before, they'll say, hey, you know what? You're, you're, you're two away from, uh, you know, a basket away from a triple-double. They'll let them know because they want to know. They want to know that stuff. I mean, it's a job. It's how you're, you know, whether you're trying to be an all-star or contract negotiations and all of that kind of stuff. They definitely want to know, and I'm sure the guy down at the end of the bench will let them know. Maybe it's some guy that doesn't play, uh, but somebody's letting these guys know if they're getting close. Um, I don't think everybody wants to know. I don't think Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan needed to know or wanted to know. They would not take that route because they were because Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan were already that you know they didn't need the help. They knew that that they had how many whatever. Um, uh, you know, they, well, knew, I don't think they, knew. they knew already that, okay, I've got probably about 20 or 30 points. Come on. All right. It's uh 728 with sports animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, so, uh, coach Timmy Chang is coming up. Also, um, we've got those baseball tickets to give away. And with, uh, if you follow us on social media, um, on Instagram, if you're one of the 8 million impressions <laughs> from last month, we're going to reward you because they're giving away tickets to Rainbow Warrior Volleyball. they got a bunch of pairs of tickets on social media. So go ahead and follow us at ESPN Honolulu. Call the Coach with Charlie Wade is happening Tuesday at Ruby Tuesday in the Moanalua Shopping Center. Uh, Tiff Wells and Coach Charlie are going to be uh, talking up some volleyball. And uh, you'll hear, you know, Charlie Wade, uh, actually, you'll hear Charlie Wade say things like, um, say things like this. Oh, we don't have it anymore. All right. Get that back, Tedder. That's priceless. (laughs) Anyway, uh, call the coach Charlie Wade Tuesday, 630 on ESPN Honolulu. Hope you're having a great hump day. It's the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu. March Madness going on. And, well, we just finished spring uh, practice for University of Hawaii Rainbow Warrior football. And Coach Timmy Chang joins us now via the Aloha Kia hotline at Aloha Kia. You know a guy. How's it, Coach? 
How's it going, guys? Can be good to talk to you again. And now that spring practice has concluded, what is your overall evaluation? Uh, I thought the guys did well for two months. Uh, you know, we brought some guys in in January. Uh, we had good four weeks of training in January. Then we had good four weeks of spring ball. Uh, Fifteen practices concluded. Um, you know, we, we got a lot of the offense, defense, special teams uh, installed, especially offense. Offense is a little new. Um, but uh, it was good. It was good. It was good battles out there. Uh, he looks a little different, and uh, excited. As far as the running shoot offense is concerned, and you trying to instill that into the playbook, how much do you think, like a guy like Braden Shager, right now the starting quarterback, how much has he gotten out of the running shoot yet, or will it be kind of a work in progress when fall camp starts too? I think I think it's all work in progress. Um, you know, there's there's going to be different scenarios. There's going to be different coverages, different defenses. We're always trying to test that uh, and, and, and um, you know, try to break some of the rules that that that, uh, that, that you're, you're presenting. And so, um, you know, he's just got to keep seeing looks, keep getting reps, uh, get real familiar with, 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 with each receiver and, and getting on the same page. I think all those quarterbacks and receivers, um, that's part of the offense, right? Uh, just the timing, uh, make sure that, uh, you know, they're supposed to be where the spot, at the spot they need to be at and the ball needs to be there at the correct time, so. Uh, just a, just an overall, just continuously changing of reps, and so um, you know the, the spring was a was a good kind of base, and now it's a, it, there's a lot of training from March all the way to when we play in August 26. Timmy Chang joining us here on ESPN Honolulu talking Rainbow Warrior football. Going back to Braden Shaker, the reports we heard is that he got stronger, bulked up, arm strength and everything like that. What? How has he shown improvement to you from the end of last season to what you saw at the end of last week? You know, February was pretty challenging throwing the ball. Uh, I'm, I'm looking out the window right now. Is it? It's a lot of wind, 25 mile an hour winds. Wind. <laughs> and uh, it was no different though these mornings in Manoa. And so uh, he did a really good job of um, his, his when he throws the ball, it really cuts through the wind, and it, it doesn't affect his ball too much. Um, but you know, it, it's it's one of those home field advantages for us is as we practice through these things, and um, if it does rain, it rains, and we're not going to change the playbook if it if it does. So um, I thought I thought he did a really good job of uh, stripping the ball out there in the elements. He he does look bigger and stronger. Um, but the, but the biggest thing at this position is, is your mental and, and making sure that you're, you're able to see and read and, and, uh, and distribute the ball on time. Everything we had heard also is that you were much more hands-on with the quarterbacks and overall with the offense. So as far as the day, day-to-day dealing with the quarterbacks like Braden Shager and others, can you give us an example or two of what you hope to have accomplished during spring practice? Uh, yeah, you know, just – you know, I'm meeting with the guys. I'm, I'm running the practices. Uh, you know, scripting the practices. Uh, going to call it and stuff. And so, um, making sure that we're all on the same page. If I can get them, you know, um, thinking the way kind of I do. Um, you know, there's, there's of course they're not going to. You know, we're all we're all, we're all different. But uh, but just kind of sharing the game uh, from a broad spectrum. And and, and you know, we're, we're, every time we talk in the, the quarterback room, we're always trying to break down defensive coordinators. And so, um, you know, just trying to give them a really broad spectrum of the game. But when it comes down to it, uh, you have to try to keep the game as simplistic and simple as possible every play. Um, And so I've been hands-on on on the field, uh, running the drills with them, 
uh, scripting and calling it. Uh, and so it's pretty. It, it's it's actually pretty fun for me. Hmm. No, you got different, more players. Some of the new players will be coming in during the summer. But at this point, do you have a depth chart now that spring practice has concluded? Um, probably in pencil. Uh, yeah, the, you know, you, you got some guys in mind. There's, there's a lot of guys still banged up from the season, coming off surgeries, those type of things. Uh, you know, new new injuries will pop up during during spring, and so um, you, you won't really know uh, of what will happen until you know August, and so. Um, but but we we do we do have a, a a better idea of who we are as a team, um, you know, with the, the needs that we have to go get from in recruiting uh, in December or February. Uh, we're still recruiting as it goes uh, to the twenty four class, and and we still have a couple of scholarships left. Uh, but um, but we do have a better sense of who we are. Uh, but definitely, uh, like last year, you know, you just from week to week, you know, different guys would would go down or. For whatever reason, we're playing with different guys, and so uh, you could, you got to continuously build depth, especially in a thirteen game season. Did I just hear Timmy Chang say the players are a little banged up? Players are a little banged up. <laughs> Timmy, I just heard it. I, I can't believe. Coach Timmy Chang with the Animals here on ESPN Honolulu. When you look at the defense right now, I mean, some really good players coming back, a Logan Taylor, some of the other studs, the defensive backs that we saw last year, some of the young guys. What did you see out of the defense in spring practice? Uh, I like the defense. Uh, they, they look a lot different. You know, we spent a lot of scholarships over there uh, mm-hmm. in recruiting, uh, you know, for the future and, and for immediately now. Um, I, I think they look quicker on the back end. Uh, they're able to play uh, man coverage, and, and they, they got a couple guys that, uh, that are your immediate impact guys, and, and they look bigger and longer up front, and so uh, pretty excited about that on the defensive side. Um, you know, Jake and Etty and and and, uh, and Abe and uh, and Chris Brown have done a really good job of uh, putting together just just a, just a good defense and an overall defense that can get different problems, maybe attack the uh, attack offenses different, uh, differently every week. Um, but pretty excited about them. Pretty, really excited. You know, continuity is always important for any team in any sport in college. And if I'm not mistaken, this is probably pretty rare, but every coach from last year's staff is back this year. They might have different titles and moved around a little bit, but that's something that you don't see in college football too often, is it, Timmy, where every assistant coach is back as well? Yeah, yeah you know, it, it's, it's been nice. We, 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 we do like that we get everybody back. Don't jinx us, though. <laughs> but, uh, don't but bring that up like again, that Gary. <laughs> <laughs> that you know we're just we're, we're we're happy i mean uh you know coaches coaches and players they they gotta love being here and uh and that's a big part of it uh the relationships with our players the relationship the continuity with our staff uh it, it means a lot it says a lot and so uh you know um we're just we, 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 we all are on the same page it's just better for us what is your interaction with the team now before fall camp starts, I guess, in early August? Uh, how many hours a week can you spend with them? Are the players working out on their own? Can you give us how the next few months will play out for them? Yeah, so we, we they're right now they're in testing. Um, they're in a testing phase because, you know, the, the, we'll, we'll, I'll bring you back all the way to January. You know, January had some really tough workouts. Uh, you, you're talking about a first-year team going into the second year, 3-10, and 10. Um, you know, margin of error very small. Uh, we we had to create a, a standard, you know, of our, of our culture and who we are. You know, who, who the, who's the brotherhood, right? It's a uh, you know we know we love each other and all those things, but uh, 
but definitely have to build a toughness about us, a mental toughness about us that um, that will be resilient, will be able to handle a lot. So the first four weeks of training were really tough when they got here in January. Um, you know, there there were Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays where you know all the coaches are out there on the field, and, and there's nothing easy about these workouts. I mean, they had nothing really to do with football; it had everything to do with challenging themselves mentally. Um, so we, we really liked what January had to bring, um, especially with the new guys coming in and incorporating them into the locker room um, and, and the team. So after those four weeks, we went into four weeks of training in spring ball, got our 50 practices in, um, really liked that, got it out early. Um, from our from aspect that they get, they get to, you know, they, they know what's expected of them. They know their fundamentals and techniques. They know the style of play that we want to play on both sides of the ball. They know their drills. Now, this this week where we are now is just kind of testing their strength and getting their numbers down. Next week, they'll go into spring break, and then when they come back, they'll get seven weeks of training uh, to get it to. That'll take them into summer and their next their next time off. And so while the rest of the country is probably going through spring ball, we're, you know, we, we've had, you know, we live in Hawaii, so the weather allows us to, to kind of just play ball whenever we want, you know, besides the rain and the elements, but that's no big deal, right? And um, but, but seven weeks of training, they'll have about three weeks off or so, and then they'll come back for summer school, and we'll start our two months of two months of um, summer training, and they'll, they'll take us right into uh, to fall camp, and that's when we get ready for Vanderbilt in the rest of the season. When you talk about the seven weeks of training, what is that? What, what do you mean? They're training on their own? They're giving assignments on what to do? In the weight room, what what happened? Because you yeah. got the coaches that's, aren't involved, right? No, and so the so what we do is we we try to teach them, right? We try to teach them how to train. The, the workouts will be will be mandatory in the morning with the with the running and the lifting. Those are now strength and speed specifically, getting stronger, getting faster, uh, building muscle, all those things that you want to build in an off season. Those are going to be done in these next seven weeks now. The, we'll time it up. Well, when they're when they're work, we'll have a schedule as as, as assistant coaches where where we want them to throw. Probably when we want them to come and talk to us, talk to football, get up to the offices on their own. Um, a lot of a lot of voluntary things will happen uh, in the off season uh, based on the eight hour rule. So they get eight hours. Uh, we get eight hours with them per week, uh, and so uh, you know those are challenges. It doesn't seem like much as if you break them down to two hours a day, right? Mm-hmm. Four days out of the week, seven day week. So they'll they'll come in on their own and, and do some extra stuff. But guys like Shaker and Joey Young, they'll get with the quarterbacks and uh, the quarterbacks and receivers. They'll go out there and throw uh, three, four times a week, you know, in the morning and in the afternoon. Um, and so it, it kind of works out that way. They'll do seven on seven on their own. But we, we, we put a guidelines on them and make sure the leaders you have good you have leaders like like you mentioned Logan Taylor and all these guys we we have leadership groups where they'll manage the the groups and how they work out and what they're doing throughout the week. So this is um, and then so sometimes if Sean Withy Allen happens to show up on the field you know as they're working out or Chad Owens and the receivers that's just something that might happen from time to time. Yeah, I mean that's the benefit of, of, of playing in an offense that, uh, that your, whole, your your whole community and right. the guys that, that represented the state here, you know, twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, ten years ago, five years ago, mm-hmm. um, you know, they 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 they, 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 let, they lend a hand in some of these some of these drills and some of these things, and so it doesn't hurt, right? 
um, having having other brothers around the brotherhood. Yes. Uh, Coach Timmy Chang with the animals here on ESPN Honolulu. So what are you doing? <laughs> what are the different coaches doing now? What are you allowed to do? Are you going on the road? Are you recruiting? Is it, you know, what are you guys doing specifically um, as far as recruiting and other things you, coaches do while these workouts are going on? Yeah, sure. So the so take us back. We'll take, take you back to our schedule. So we haven't really stopped working since last January. So, so, and then really, I when I say we, I, it, I haven't stopped working since last January. Uh, you know, putting together the team, going through the season, season ends, you go through recruiting. Uh, we start school probably earlier than a lot of people in the country. So we started school at January seventh or eighth, and so uh, there was there was a couple of days off, but I was putting together the playbook and the offense, um, getting ready for spring ball and what to, what what we just embarked on. Uh, and so right now for us. Uh, Recruiting has opened up a little bit. We can't go out and see teams or go to see um, schools or players or coaches outside on campuses, but they can come on campus to us. Um, what, what what March looks like for us is that we'll we'll take a couple weeks off and um, and then come back and and probably and then really it's it's just broken down to three things. Uh, you know, you talked about our our roster and our players and what they're doing. They're the uh-huh. most important thing, especially in the offseason. So getting around those guys, um, you know, watching the film with them, uh, you know, talking to them about the, what, what they're doing, their organized workouts, how are those going, maybe giving them specific things that you would like them to work on, uh, fundamental technique-wise, uh, during the days and weeks, kind of putting the schedule out for those guys. So you take care of your players. And you got to go and look for new players that are coming in. Uh, we have a young team, so a lot of guys come back, especially on offense. Uh, I think I, only lose, I think we only lose two guys after this year, and so there's a lot of youth uh, coming, you know, in, in in our skill position rooms. Some of our offensive line, running back room, receiver room, all the quarterbacks come back, and all so. Right. Uh, but we'll, we'll we'll keep recruiting um, and and looking out for guys and and seeing what the see what the lay of the lay of the land looks like, um, and then and then we'll break down opponents, and so we'll. Personally, that's something we want to do every three days. We're going to take an opponent and, uh, and break them down. Uh, we'll start with Vanderbilt um, and, and just kind of build a, 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 a semi-scouting report for them and do it for all 13 teams uh, throughout the throughout the, um, the rest of the year. Wow, that's crazy. All right, we've got one more question. We'll let you go. Go ahead, Gary. A couple of Saturdays ago, I know you were at Aloha Stadium for the last public event. Your team was there. Your family was there. What memories came to you as you were in Aloha Stadium for the last time? Oh, man, a lot. A lot. Uh, I grew up in that stadium. My father my father was a referee for ILH sports, um, ILH football, for a long time. And, and, and there, you know, before, you know, the UH sports for, for me, um, there was a lot of time spent in those hallways, uh, and, 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 and Aloha Station did such a great job of, of, of putting up all the different things and all the, yeah. you know, just all the, all the, all the things that happened there, right? The concerts, the, the games, the, the, you know, the, the community games, the, you know, the UH sport games. I mean, the Pro Bowls. I mean, there were so many great things that happened there for our community. So, um, you know, just kind of walking through it and, and just kind of going down memory lane. I mean, I used to run up and down those halls probably at the earliest age of five. And uh, and being on the field and and being you know in the locker rooms and around those things uh, just kind of brought back a lot of memories. Uh, 
you know, the, it, it, when we when I walked out to the stadium and, and even my team, we looked up. It, it, it's it, it, you forget how grand the stadium looks if you haven't been there in a while. I mean, fifty thousand—that's that's a lot of seats, and uh-huh. so uh, and, and there's a lot of good memories, man. I mean, that that place used to get really loud and it was rocking, and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun playing and playing in there, and um, there's a lot of good memories on that field and especially off the field. More memories to be made now on campus at TC Chain Complex. Timmy, thanks again for talking for UH football. We're getting excited for the season to start. Can't wait. Uh, thank you guys for having me this morning. All right, thank you so much. Timmy Chang joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. See ya in a Kia. And I, I can just imagine the emotions he had with everything he accomplished and went through at that stadium, what that day was like a few weeks ago. Yeah, I was, you know, I, I wish we had time to get his thoughts on the, uh, the, the, the athletic director search. There's so many things uh, kind of off the field that I wonder about. I don't know what kind of um, answer he would give. Uh, maybe I don't want to put him in that <laughs> kind of uh, uh, kind of ambush him with a question on that. But it was good. I was interested to see. Yeah, w- what are the coaches doing now? What are the coaches? What you know? Can they recruit? What can they do? Man, they start looking at their opponents really, really early. Makes sense. You got that advantage of not having to wait just a week before a game, so you get as much film as much as you can get on that team before that game. Yeah, and they finished uh, because of uh, partially, I guess, because of construction for on the stadium. That isn't that funny. Construction on the stadium. <laughs> anyway, uh, construction on the TC Ching Athletic Complex. That um, you know they get they got a, a lot more uh, time in between. And it's a good point that you know you have all these people in the community coming out to help uh, teach the run and shoot because that's what we do. That's how we do here in Hawaii. All right, as promised, we've got tickets to Rainbow Baseball. Got a couple of tickets for Saturday night. Call in at 808-296-1420. If you're caller number two, we got two tickets for you. Right now, time for our bulletin board, brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union. And the Walk to Cure Arthritis is coming May 6th this year. It's an event that unites our community to put an end to arthritis. It starts from Aloha Tower Marketplace. It's a day of fun, education, and more. If you want more information, check out the Arthritis Foundation website. You can Google it. And uh, that is, again, brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union and ESPN Honolulu. Oh, okay. Looking for our winner for baseball tickets. Saturday night against UConn. Tanner Hayworth digging up a winner on the phone right now. All right. Uh, Thanks for texting in, 808-296-1420. Weather today, it's going to be, well, we've got a few showers this morning. Going to be sunny and windy the rest of the day. Winds are out of the west, oh, up to about 25 miles per hour. So it's going to be, uh, we've got a high wind advisory again, in effect, for all of the Hawaiian Islands. So be safe out there, yeah? Go to the text line at 808-296-1420. And uh, thank you guys for texting in. We are we're talking about a bunch of different things, about all the great players coming back for the Rainbow Wahine volleyball team. They fell in five yesterday against in a spring match, an exhibition game against Minnesota. They'll play them again tonight. Uh, at the Stan Sheriff Center. 
and we mentioned uh, that one player is not, one starter is not returning. Braylon Akana did not return. Thank you for that text. Uh, I don't believe she was a starter per se, but uh, she will definitely be missed. She will definitely be missed. Yeah, I wonder if she's transferring anywhere. I haven't heard anything about if she's going to another school or anything like that. But I think she was a part-time starter. She did start some of the matches last year, and she will be missed. Definitely a good player. Yeah. Um, Let's see. We're talking about quarterbacks and free agent deals. Here's a text. Thank you. Uh, Gino, meaning Gino Smith, Gino one-season Smith hit the lottery with the Seahawks. (laughs) Seven years of crap, and one season he's making 30 mil? If it's crazy as if Smith is worth a hundred something mil, then Jones pay is just about right. We had a debate on Daniel Jones. Uh, he signed a uh, four year, $160 million contract. $82 million is guaranteed. Uh, the contract can be canceled after two years. So it's not really a $160 million contract per se, but it is a you could look at it as a two-year, $40 million contract. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, you might argue that uh, Geno Smith isn't worth that much money. Yeah, he had a better year than Daniel Jones, and I guess by comparison, he's underpaid. Then if Daniel's getting 40 and he's getting 30, but I'm glad for Geno Smith. I thought, again, he was kind of a, a failure with the Jets and maybe as a backup with the Chargers. I'm not sure where else. But, yeah, he, he had a very good season last year. He had a better year than Russell Wilson, who he replaced. <laughs> yeah. That's a guy who doesn't uh, deserve doesn't deserve the money. All right. Uh, we are running a bit late. Uh, three things you need to know. Also, your traffic check, too, coming up on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. It's the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Gary Dickman is in Las Vegas getting ready for the uh, getting ready for the uh, Big West basketball tournament. The Rainbow Wahine will play today. You can catch coverage of that starting at 6 p.m. Uh, three things you need to know, and uh, that's one of them. Yeah, I mean, this is this is what it's all about, playing in the, in the NCAA tournament, hopefully for both teams, for Hawaii. Uh, first things first, got to win three games in March. We know about this every year, and it seems like the season goes by rather quickly. But let's start with the Lake Rainbow Wahine first. You know, they had a really or tough start in that they played a really tough schedule, and, you know, oftentimes they will have under a 500 record because of the teams they're playing. You, you get – no Amy Atwell from last year. We know she leaves for the WNBA for a while now in Australia. Lily Wahini Kapu comes in and, you know, started off, as you'd expect, at a transfer, but did a great job after that. All right. Uh, uh, the uh, franchise tags have been given out in the NFL, and really the big uh, question is on a bunch of available quarterbacks. Well, Lamar Jackson is available if you're going to meet his price with the unrestricted tag. Baltimore can match that offer. Uh, it's going to cost a lot if you do get him. I, I just think, see the market shrinking a little bit. It'll be interesting to see how the next few days play out because free agency starts in a little over a week as well. 
All right. Uh, oh, you know what? Here, we got one. Uh, here, I got one here. And Andy Johnson, the sailing coach, texted in. Shout out to you, Andy. Uh, Andy wants to let us know that the UH sailing team, one, is leaving tonight for the Port of L.A. Harbor Cup and is practicing really hard in the big winds to get ready for the light wind in Long Beach. So anyway, it should be a lot of fun just giving you the heads up uh, that that's happening. That's from Andy Johnson. Thank you, Andy. Work on your typos. Call in next time. <laughs> Call in Do they next sail time. to L.A.? Don't or text. they fly? Coach, you're not a very good texter. Call in. We want to hear your voice. All right, thank you very much. Really, another one of these things that came out in the Honolulu Star Advertiser, uh, if you're driving into work still, is that the uh, athletic director for Mililani High School, former athletic director, Glenn Nita, they they released some of what they found in this investigation of his embellishment. Um, It's just a horrible story. But it was pretty uh, crazy about the things he spent money on. I mean, first of all, one of the, I guess, red flags was, okay, you have a debit card, but so why are you writing all these checks? And why are you writing all these checks to family members? I'm starting to think that Glenn Nita wasn't very bright. Uh, you know, if you're talking about paying off student loans, uh, whatever charges at the Tropicana Hotel in Las Vegas, making payments for your car loan, going to go play at the golf at the Hawakalai Country Club, uh, paying off your debt consolidation loan. Oh, he bought some seat covers, paid his cable bill, and paid for dinner for everyone at a New Year's Eve Chinese dinner. I mean, this guy... This is, I'm beside myself. Really not as, I'm kind of over about the criminal activity, but I'm kind of beside myself on how dumb this guy was. Sorry. But, I mean, you he took $15,000 from car wash ticket sales. So you're out there busting your butt all weekend long over a number of weekends, different weekends, the sports teams to raise money. And you go ahead and just uh, take fifteen grand from the car wash ticket sales. Uh, let's see, they did a uh, Savers fundraiser. I don't know what that is, but you took the two grand they raised from that. Hey, they did a Christmas wrapping event, you know, wrapping Christmas gifts to raise money. Hey, we made $500. No, you didn't. Nita swiped it. <laughs> In all, he's got $188,000, over almost $189,000 in writing checks to himself. I'm amazed because, again, when you set up an account like this, make him the president and his wife's the secretary and his daughter-in-law is the treasurer, only family members had access to this booster account for athletics. Only family members. And here's a guy who's, okay, that's one thing. If you're at a school or you're a youth league or you got a carnival coming up, whatever it is, it's not... If you're going to have somebody write checks, make sure you. it's one of those accounts where you have to have two signatures. Businesses do it all the time. Okay? Don't make only family members officers of this account. And here's something. Um, maybe audit yourself a couple of times a year, and this won't happen. But year after year after year, 
all of this work. These, so now, one of the officials from the school uh, is worried that this is this is all they know so far. This could be the tip of the iceberg, and if this is the tip of the iceberg, what else is Mililani High School going to be on the hook for? In other words. Did this athletic director make commitments to something with this money that they don't even know about yet? Now, luckily, they do have uh, incorporated the Mililani High School Athletic Foundation. So they've taken that money, and then they found more of it missing anyway. Uh, and uh, they started, uh, they, they, they did it right. I feel bad because this guy, Glenn Nita, he's been there since the school started. You've seen his photo in the paper. He looks like a great guy. Hey, Uncle, how's it? Uh, Uncle's writing $189,000 in checks to himself. I guess you can't judge a book by its cover. But you have no reason not to trust him. So he's been there since the beginning. He's the athletic director. He's the baseball coach. He's a teacher. His daughter's a PE teacher. I mean, the, the whole family is Mililani High School, yet... He was stealing from you all these years. I would imagine that uh, a friend of mine, Rose Antonio, is a softball coach there. I believe Rose is still there. But, you know, one of the people in the family who got checks written to him, one of her assistant coaches. Oh, my gosh. I I would think that people are really emotionally affected at Midland High School because of this. Yeah, I know a parent of one of the kids on the baseball team, I guess, and she had expressed comment that how upset she was and hoping there wasn't more to this uh because of the booster club and i guess she's involved in the booster club at Mililani. so yeah you can you can just understand that and imagine how they must feel and i I think the one key a couple of key points with what you said the fact that he was there so long the trust factor had to be there i wonder if this is going to be a wake-up call for other high schools here of course it is you You wonder if it's going to be a wake-up call this is a huge wake-up call no, but it is. I mean, when you say wonder, I mean, I just said, the, when people come out, when you start these these clubs, start your foundation. They know now not to, no matter how long the guy's been there, no matter what he says, no matter how he's trusted, because of this, I think he's opened up a lot of eyes. Because this stuff is going on now. It's been happening for a long time, whether it's youth sports or clubs or, in this case, high schools. The embezzlement thing is real. It's it's um, the what Mililani is doing now is what other schools and clubs and people should uh, actually model that after. Yeah, I guess we agree on that. I, I I just also again when you see the dollar amounts, I wonder where nobody questioned this sooner. And I know his family was involved, so maybe they helped cover it up, like you said. Still, that's a well, lot of money over a well, short amount of time to be missing. Where didn't people realize? Hey, how come we don't have more money in our account to go on whatever trip or whatever it would be? Because you would think that dollar amount would be noticed. Nobody did an audit of the account, is what I just said. Nobody but even paid without any an attention. Audit. They Even still had money money. in. They still had money in the account to get things done. They bought uniforms. They did all of this stuff. They had money. They still had money in there. They didn't know that he was stealing a bunch of it. But when it was time to order something, coach would write a check for whoever the vendor was. One for me. One for you. One for me. One for you. Oh, here's one for my daughter. Oh, here's one for my son, for the t-shirt business he's in. 
That's how they didn't. That's it. So if you're wondering how they didn't know, it's because nobody asked any questions. That's the problem. That's why you got to audit these things at least once a year. All right. I, I worked for a company where it was a similar situation in that one of the managers, this was a long, long time ago in Hawaii, and he would put things down as what was known as a paid out, that he would pay a refrigeration company $500 to fix whatever. And this went on for several months. As it turns out, they weren't getting paid cash. The bills started coming in, and the company said, wait a minute, we already paid cash to this three, four months ago, and it equaled several thousand dollars, and then he got caught. Um, but, I mean, sooner or later, again, you, you're not going to be able to continue to get away with it. And I, I don't know this man, Glenn Anita, at all, but I've read his name in print. And I, from what I remember over the years, he was somebody who was highly regarded and now tarnished forever after this. This is incredible. It was just, when you hear about the, the numbers involved with this, there's no excusing it, obviously. And, yeah, he just tarnished whatever legacy he might have had. Well, yeah, it was his whole family. Him and his yeah. whole family. I mean, I, I I feel bad for anybody with the last name of Nita. It's um it's just horrible. But I tell you what, it's a it's a wake up call to everybody though. This is a wake up call to if you're running a carnival, who has the keys to the lockbox? I mean, for crying out loud, Punahou Carnival a number of years ago, somebody went in the office, and uh, I don't know, there was a lockbox or something like that, and they stole all the scholarship money. <laughs> it's and I bring up Pearl Ridge Elementary because uh, my kids went there at the time. But there was the nice, uh, you know, secretary lady or whatever in the administrative office when you go in. Been there for years. Oh, found out she was taking trips to Vegas on Pearl Ridge's dime. Big screen TVs, things like that. And you know it's still going on. It's, it's sad. It really is. And. Again, there's too many stories like this, not only locally, but even nationally. You read about these way too often. Yeah. And everybody, I think, I guess thinks they'll get away with it, whatever their thinking is, but hopefully they never do. Mm-hmm. All right. Coming up, uh, we're going to switch talk in, uh, talks with about we're going to switch gears, switch topics. Eric Pincus from the Bleacher Report on the NBA coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. We've been talking a lot about March Madness with college basketball, but the NBA is getting ready to end their regular season. Less than a month left uh, before the playoffs start, right around a month, so a lot of things heating up. We're going to talk more about the NBA right now as we are joined here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. He's a writer and instructor for Sports Biz Class. Dot com also at Bleacher Report and a salary cap strategist and capologist. Uh, joining us now is Eric Pincus. Eric, what is the difference between a capologist and a strategist? Uh, I mean, uh, capologist. I don't think you'll even find it in the dictionary, but it's really somebody who understands the rules and the ins and outs of the NBA salary cap. And then a strategist is someone who knows how to apply all those rules and then understand contracts where teams are going, uh, and how to analyze that information to either make moves or consult or whatever, all those kind of fun things. I remember when they first came out with a salary cap, and it was, let's say, $40 million or whatever it was back then, and that was it. 
Uh, I guess it was a hard cap back then, but now there's so many things going on. It's good to have uh, people like you that can break it down for us. Uh, I saw your picture on Twitter yesterday where you were at the Clippers' new arena, and I guess one thing we saw is that Steve Ballmer actually had a pretty nice jump shot. What was the arena like yesterday? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's it's really just the guts of, of an arena, so uh, they're finishing the roof, so interior, they're going to close off, so it's uh, it's exposed to the air, uh, and they put up the final beam, and all the players signed it, et cetera, et cetera. They put the final beam up, and then they'll close out everything. And they, they, it doesn't open until next year, but not next season. It's the twenty four twenty five season, uh, and it's it's going to be spectacular. It's a beautiful. Uh, it's going to be uh, great for the Inglewood community as far as bringing in more. Uh, people and more revenue, all that kind of stuff. So uh, it, it's good for the Clippers to get their own spot. I guess Clippers fans will be happy about that, and I guess they're also happy because with Russell Westbrook starting, they finally won a game. Uh, before that, I think they were like 0-5 or something in games he had started. He had a personal, I think, like 16-game losing streak. What is your take on the Clippers? When healthy, I still think they're kind of a dangerous team come playoff time. Sure, sure. I mean, they, their main thing is they haven't had chemistry because Kawhi hasn't played enough. Uh, Paul George hasn't played enough. They've just had guys in and out all season. And it's actually going on multiple seasons. It's, it's been really the, the missing element. And then they brought in a new starter. Uh, and, and Russ is such a, a, a impactful player, whether you like him or not. If you, don't, if you think his impact is negative, I'm not going to argue. If you think his impact is positive, uh, it's no point in arguing. You know, he, he's really talented. But he, he dominates the ball, he attacks, but he, he really hurts spacing. Uh, you know, there's pros and cons, and I think the Clippers are trying to adapt and see if they work because if you don't need to guard Russ, you can put an extra defender on Kawhi or get in the way of where he wants to go. So they're trying to figure out their chemistry. As far as pure talent, there's, there's a ton on that team. Uh, it, it just hasn't really it hasn't worked yet. They've come close. You know, they got to the conference finals, but uh, it just something seems lacking, and I don't know if they found it this year. Eric Pink is talking the NBA with us on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. Well, I want to get your take on the other L.A. team, the Lakers, and I saw a nice fact, fun fact for Lakers fans, I guess. For the rest of the season, they have the second easiest schedule in the NBA. They don't have LeBron James now for at least another week or two, maybe longer. Do you think they get in the play-in tournament, A, and if they do, can they possibly do any damage? Sure. I mean, the, if LeBron isn't healthy, then no. So, I mean, like, just right off the bat, no. If LeBron isn't back by the playoffs, forget about it. But uh, if they can just sort of survive, and that doesn't necessarily mean thrive. They don't need to win, like, nine, 90% or 80%. They need to be above 500. They play some of the teams that they're competing for spots with. Uh, all those teams play each other a bunch, so they just sort of need to tread water, get get out wins, and and uh, they should have D'Angelo Russell back on Friday. It's not official, but that's what they're targeting. And they're, it's a much better team uh, than they had uh, right before the deadline. I mean, they they have much uh, they have a better balance uh, of of what they need instead of uh, you know, forty seven million dollars. Uh, your highest paid player in Russell Westbrook, who just doesn't fit. Uh, they've reallocated those resources to D'Angelo Russell, uh, Jared Vanderbilt. Um, you know, they traded for Rui before that, uh, Malik Beasley, et cetera, Mobamba. If they can 
all get healthy at the same time and just make the or the playoffs, then yeah, I think they actually have a shot. I wouldn't put them down as my favorite to win a title this year or even get to the finals, but I'm, I'm not going to say they can't because you still have LeBron if he's healthy and you have AD and a good roster, so uh, you know they certainly have a chance. Denver has the best record in the Western Conference right now. Golden, I mean, uh, Phoenix, excuse me, has Kevin Durant. And I don't think they'll catch Denver. They're about 10 games and back. But come playoff time, which team do you think you'd like better with Kevin Durant on Phoenix or the way Denver has been playing? Well, I mean, Denver for years has been you know, a, a solid growing force in the West. And you know, Nikola Jokic might win another MVP. Uh, they have all the scoring that you would ever need. Um, the, the challenge that they face is, as, as a true big, Jokic doesn't have the kind of mobility. Uh, they can only play certain kind of defenses with him. And Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., who are the other top scorers, aren't very good defensively either. So there are some weaknesses there. They may be able to outscore, and um, I'm not going to say they won't win. They have a real shot to win, but I think that they have some flaws. As far as the Suns, it's still it's. I kind of have to give it an incomplete grade because we're still trying to learn who they are. Uh, I think that you know the talent is undeniable. Uh, defensively, they gave away some key pieces, specifically uh, Bridges, who was their best wing defender. So I'm curious to see who's going to take on those assignments. Uh, but like you've got Booker, and you've got KD as just elite scorers. You've got Chris, who's a very un, you know, unselfish, true point guard, and you've got a big man in Aiton. I mean, that right there is is unbelievable. Question is, do they have enough depth? But I, I, I'm not going to discount them. I just need to see them play a little bit more. But on paper, you know, they could be a real challenger this year. In the Eastern Conference, Milwaukee went on that incredible run, undefeated in February, a 16-game winning streak. I don't know how they blew that lead to Philly on Saturday, but they lost that game. But on the other side, you have Boston, who have lost three in a row, and all three losses, they've had 14 points or bigger leads. Uh, losing to the Nets the way they did was crazy. And then the Knicks game, of course. Are there main concerns with Boston with this little mini-slump they have right now? I mean, I don't hold it as a concern. I mean, there, there are stretches where teams – Either just put their, you know, let, take their foot off the gas, or the other team gets hot at the wrong time. Uh, you're going to blow games. I mean, there's no championship team that you could point at and say, "Oh, you didn't blow a game." So, uh, I still have the Celtics as, you know, it's Celtics Bucks are the two best. I mean, we could talk Sixers and a few other teams that are at least interesting, but I, I, I think those teams are the best in the East. Those two, they should be in the conference finals against each other, ideally, and. Uh, who wins is going to be tough to say. I don't think a little you know, minor losing streak or a few blown games right now is enough to, to be too serious uh, you know, of concern for someone, a team that good. Celtics are really, really talented. We're talking the NBA with Eric Pincus here on ESPN Honolulu. I brought this up earlier in the show with Giannis the other day. Uh, put up a shot near the end so he could miss it and get his 10th rebound, look kind of funny, and then the NBA took the rebound away because it wasn't an actual shot attempt. What is your reaction to that whole situation? Well, I mean, they've done that before. I think J.R. Smith uh, did something similar. It's not a rebound if, if it's not a real shot. Like, they'll just... Like, if you pass the ball off the backboard, they don't give you, uh, you know, like you see that in the All-Star game. You don't get, like, a missed shot and a rebound, right? Or, and you don't get an assist to yourself. Like, there's certain things that are contextually looked at and said, that that's still. And, like, I don't think a player should be trying to get an extra rebound for 
you know, just to get a triple double. I mean, if you get it organically or if, I mean, even sometimes players will get out of the way and, and make sure that, you know, he gets the rebounds so he gets All it. Right. Even that's iffy, that's iffy, but like they'll allow that. But like to just, yeah, no, I, I, Giannis is, he's a brilliant player. He's deserving of all the success he's had. And it's just a moment where the NBA correctly is like, nah, we're not going to give you a triple double. It, it, it's not, that's not a rebound. Right. I'm glad the way they handled it as well. Well, we're not that far away from the playoffs. Uh, most teams will have less than 20 games left, so we are getting near the uh, end of the regular season. Should be a fun few weeks before the playoffs start. Eric, always great talking to you, especially about the NBA with the latest. Thanks for joining us this morning. Of course, anytime. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Eric Pincus joining us here on ESPN Honolulu from sportsbizclass.com and, of course, Bleacher Report via the Aloha Kia hotline at Aloha Kia. You know a guy. And uh, we'll have more basketball talk. I want to bring up some things about the Big West Tournament uh, where Hawaii is getting ready for the ladies' game today, men tomorrow. Got a lot coming on with that. Coming up next with the Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. It's going to be mostly sunny the rest of today. Going to be super windy again, though, so be careful. It's Chris Hart and Gary Dickman here on the uh, the, the day the World Baseball Classic opens. Uh, don't have much on that, but I know you were going to get into uh, some more NBA talk. Well, just college basketball, actually. Okay. Um, somebody had just texted us a few minutes ago. They wanted to know about the time for tonight's game for the Rainbow Wahine against Cal State Fullerton. It'll be a 6.30 p.m. start Hawaii time. <clears throat> if you are listening in Las Vegas, excuse me, 8.30, we're going to have countdown the tip-off. Uh, myself and Derek Lowe on the call for about a half hour starting at 6 p.m. Hawaii time tonight before the game. And the, so this and is I before know, the Wahine game, right? Yes, before they play at 6.30 Hawaii time. And uh, this is a team, again, they beat twice. Uh, Lily Wainikapu against her own old team. Of course, she made first team all Big West. So, if you know, we had John Montgomery on last hour. And with the men losing twice to Fullerton, you might think, well, it's hard to beat a team three times. I don't buy into that. I think I know it's been used over and over. But both teams are on the opposite side of that, men and women. For the way, for the ladies, the way they finished this regular season, winning seven out of nine with all those injured players says a lot about this team. And two of those losses were to Irvine in overtime, who ended up winning the regular season title for men and women. So I don't. I mean, they lost to Long Beach State was one of their losses down the stretch as well. Another last second loss. They have played really well. They may be playing their best basketball. In fact, I don't think maybe they are playing their best basketball in the month of February and early March. Uh, I don't know how far they're going to go. Last year, they were the favorite. This year, going into the season, they were the favorite. But I like the fact that they've been able to face this adversity and really overcome it in big-time style. So I'm really confident about how their chances are, not only tonight, but tomorrow and hopefully Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is going to be, this is a great sports story is what it is. This is a story of a team facing adversity and winning in spite of it all. Whether, you know, however they finish up the Rainbow Wahine season, I deem it a success right now because of what they've been through. 
Well, they're you know if they don't go to the tournament, I mean they're not going to finish you know first place in the conference, but to finish a third. Now on the other side, if the uh, if, if the the men's team goes one and done, I don't think you can blame people on that. Look, the Big West seems to be a better conference on the men's side this year. Hawaii was picked to pick, uh, be third. Uh, Hawaii is fifth. If we lose a third time to a team we've already seen twice, I think that people are going to be uh, pretty upset. Well, it's, and it's, a, it's a bad pressure to have on you, I think, too. I think well, that's just kind of how some fans are. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. It's not a team we beat twice, so for the men, it's a team we lost to. I'm sorry, a time. team that we've played twice. A team yeah. that we've played twice, and you still can't beat them a third time? You can't figure it out? Look, I know a lot of things happen during a game. The ball bounces a bunch of different ways. But I think it's going to be – it's going to be uh, – <laughs> And maybe it's just the gamblers. But, you know, to me, hey, we lost the basketball game. We move on. We've got track and field. We've got uh, golf. We've got other things to go to pay attention to. If the season's done, the season's done. But uh, that's not how it's going to happen, uh, unfortunately, for the men's team. I mean, it's almost like they better win this whole thing. It's win it all or bust for the Rainbow Warrior basketball team with the way some fans are. Definitely. I mean, I would think if you go to the finals as an example but don't win it, I think people should be satisfied somewhat. But you're right, there's going to be fans that aren't. I don't think it's going back to Fullerton, though, that it's not a matter of figuring it out. They're a good team. They won it all last year. They're the hottest team in the conference right now. It's not like we lost to two, uh, two games to a bad team. And, again, they could have gone either way. So you said the ball bounces, you know, anyway. It could have gone their way with a little break here and there. They would have been – 2-0 against them this year. An overtime loss on the road, a one-point loss at home. Not making excuses. They still should but have that's, won. But that's what it sounds like. People aren't going to want to hear, well, they could have won. It was a close loss or any about that a thing about that. Sports fans are sports fans. They want a W. Now, you can back it up and defend all you want. And, it, again, I'm not saying it's right or wrong or anything. I'm just saying this is what we can expect to hear uh, coming out of your radio speakers the day after Hawaii loses, if they lose, in this tournament. True. No no debating that. We know that from past experience. Looking at tonight's game, and one of the factors I, I still am curious about, and hopefully it'll play out in Hawaii's favor, is Bernardo da Silva getting more minutes and being maybe more effective. It was good to see him on the court against Santa Barbara, even though that loss was not a good loss. But he didn't really do a lot. He took, I think, only two field goal attempts. Morsek has done a very good job filling in. He wasn't as effective on Saturday. Uh, for Fullerton, they don't have the size that Santa Barbara had, so I think Morsek could have a good game and should have a good game. But I think they're going to need Bernardo da Silva. So I think that's a factor coming in. I do like the fact that Noel Coleman has been shooting the ball more effectively and more often in recent games. He had a good game on Saturday. He was the leading scorer, 6 of 10 shooting. They're going to need that from the welcome, and they can't have him shooting six times a game. Even though other guys have stepped up, they need a lot from the welcome. So yeah. the fact that he's been playing better of late, the fact that Cal State Fullerton is going to be off for 12 days, I, I think that helps Hawaii's chances, if that matters at all. You know, the uh, Jovan McClanahan did not have a typical Clutch McClanahan game. Uh, against Santa Barbara, and, I mean, that step-back jumper from in the paint, I mean, he's unstoppable uh, on that when he's shooting against guys maybe, you know, six feet, six one or something like that. Now, 
he's going up and he's trying to get that done against guys that are 6'7", it's not going to work out for him, and it usually doesn't. But if you have a favorable matchup for Jovan McClanahan, I don't know who would be guarding him uh, at Cal State Fullerton, but that's another thing that we were lacking in the last game is Jovan being Jovan. One of the that he's done, he's actually gone in the paint and gotten that jumper fade away off of guys 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, I mean, he hasn't had his shot blocked that often this year, which is incredible. Those are shots not only shouldn't he be taking in one sense, but he definitely shouldn't be making, and he has. It's one thing to do it against guards a few inches taller. Uh, he Again, he's their MVP, uh, second team, all Big West. They're going to need a little bit more from him offensively, I agree. His assist-to-turnover ratio has been fantastic. Uh, but you might need him to get 15, 20 points to get the job done today, though. I agree with you on that. Uh, tomorrow is what you're talking about. Tomorrow, yeah, sorry. The, um, you know, I'm still waiting for Samuta Avea. I, I don't know what I'm waiting for. There was a couple of games this year where Samuta has been great, and maybe I'm only maybe I'm too singularly focused on points scored. Um, I can't tell if he's playing good defense or not. I'm sure he is. The whole team plays pretty good defense. You saying he doesn't play good defense? You're shaking he's, your head. He's had a lot of lapses on defense in recent weeks. That's one of the reasons he's been taken out of games, actually. Um, but you know he's capable, and you're, you're, I think what you're looking at, looking for is more consistency from him on offense, because he does have a good game here and there, and he's not having bad games. But there are there have been a few games where he's like one for seven shooting, and I, I know we know he's better than that. And on defense, you would expect good rebound production. He's had a few good games. He had what 16, 17 rebounds once this year. But uh, on defense, there has been some criticism here and there, and they're going to need him to step up tomorrow as well. Yeah. Now Kamaka Hepa has stepped up though for on his end. His offensive last game, game has gotten a lot better. No, he didn't have a good nobody had a good game except for Noel Coleman against Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. But before that he, he the leading three point shooter, both in shots made and percentage. Uh he, he's scoring in different ways. He's driving to the basket, something we never saw from him. He's posting up, something we never saw from him. He's getting double digit rebounds. You know he's doing a lot more, th- lot more for this team than he might have been previously. Where he's more of just an outside shooter, perimeter shooter. He, he's scoring in different ways, and I like his game overall. But we we know that's the thing I think that's frustrating. Going back to what we started with Chris about the fans being frustrated, we we know we're going to get it at some point. Hopefully not, but after a loss this week, and I understand it. But this team is so capable of beating anybody in this league, and we've right. said that but, often but over that's the years. The frustration, but they really Gary, are, Gary. That's the frustration. They're really capable of beating any team. Yet when you don't, that's where the frustration comes in. That's why I'm saying, not saying it's right or wrong, but that's where the frustration comes in. Hey, we, we've only lost by a few points here and there. You lost the game. You're capable of beating anybody. So if you come in and lay an egg, what happened? See, what I'll say about that is that it's not so much that they are laying an egg, that they have a really bad performance like Saturday. But even with Saturday's game, it wasn't so much that they played bad. It was that Santa Barbara was unbelievable. I mean, shooting 63% in the first half. And it wasn't that Hawaii was bad on defense. I mean, they couldn't stop them. But sometimes <laughs> the other team's better. We weren't, we and weren't in the bad Big on West, defense, but we couldn't stop them. They, but they were making shots that were I mean, would hit guys right on them. It wasn't like they were getting all open looks and scoring or getting I all under, layups. I understand. I understand. But, I, I, again, with, with a team like Fullerton, it's, it's, I think it's going to be a fine line. 
And I think that's the way it is with a lot of teams. I mean, you think Long Beach State fans are happy with Dan Monson and his team right now? You lose by 20, whatever it was, to Cal Poly, who has lost 18 games in a row? <laughs> that's, that's impossible. So I think people got to look at everything going on in the Big West. We're not Irvine. We're not Santa Barbara. We're not in first place every year or every other year. But we are close lately. And, again, again, I understand that people will say, well, they should have been able to get over that hump. But I think you also got to look at it. Sometimes there's some good teams in the Big West that are just as good, if uh, not better. It's not that Hawaii uh, okay. laid an egg so much. I know, that the other but team it's, might you just, just sound like you're constantly making excuses. It's not an excuse. Okay. Uh, you know, I wonder if Dan Monson is uh, – I wonder if they – you know, with that new athletic director there, I wonder if that loss, along with their season this year, cost him his job. He's been there a long yeah, time. That, that's a t- right. And it's one thing to lose on Saturday to UC Davis in double overtime by one to have to be in the play-in game. But you lose to Cal Poly. I could not believe that was happening last night. That's crazy to a team that hasn't won since December 29th, 18 in a row. And not only do you lose, you lose badly. Yeah. All right, coming up, uh, let's see. Uh, we'll, we've got our high school scoreboard. That's coming up next here on ESPN Honolulu. The Rainbow Warrior volleyball team is in it to win it this weekend, man. It's going to be a, uh, it's going to be rough. Uh, hopefully, we can. If Hawaii pulls out a win against, I'm not even thinking about Purdue Fort Wayne. Is that what it is, Purdue Fort Wayne? Yeah. I'm not even thinking about Purdue Fort Wayne as much as I'm. I, hopefully, the Hawaii volleyball team isn't looking at number two and number three coming up on Saturday and on uh, on uh, after this on the uh, Outrigger tournament going on. Penn State and UCLA, big opponents coming up. Anyway, we can get into that and a lot more coming up on ESPN Honolulu. Speaking of volleyball, Call the Coach with Charlie Wade is coming up Tuesday at Ruby Tuesday in the Moanalua Shopping Center. It's a 6.30 start, and we'll see you there from ESPN Honolulu. Whether you were checked out to scoringlive.com, maybe you saw the Honolulu Star advertiser. Uh, big game uh, from Kamehameha, now 2-0 on the boys' volleyball season. Uh, they beat, uh, they swept Hawaii Baptist, uh, which is, seems like a pretty good uh, volleyball team themselves. But Kamehameha sweeps HBA 3 to nothing, and Kainoa Wade, 22 slam downs for Kamehameha. Yeah, that's Charlie Wade's son, if you're, you're wondering. But 22 kills in a high school game? That seems like really a lot. Because he wasn't rusty, was he? <laughs> no, he wasn't. Uh, other scores, Honoka'a beat Lapahoehoe on the Big Island, 3 to nothing. Uh, let's see here. St. Louis over Marinol. Uh, they swept him, 3 to nothing. In 5, Iea beat Waianae on the road, 3 to 2. That's a long drive out there for the uh, 96701ers. Way to go, IAA Volleyball. Let's see here. Nanakuli beat Wailua in five, three to two. Uh, Lelehua over Pearl City, 
three to nothing. Uh, a couple of other interests uh, here. Mililani fired up because their old athletic director stole all their money. Uh, Trojans beat the Hurricanes of Kapolei. They swept them three to nothing. Waipahu three to two over Radford, and uh, let's see, Punahou beat Iolani. I hope uh, Chanel Sutsutse is listening. Punahou over Iolani, three to two. That's your high school scoreboard here with the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. Not a very gracious winner, are you? No, not when it comes to the rivalry. <laughs> but be careful what you wish for, because there's going to be a day where Iolani will beat Punahou. Oh, I know. People are, yeah, mind you. I think that. they beat them in. Uh, I think uh, did Punahou just beat Iolani in baseball? Or is it? Oh no, Punahou just beat Iolani in baseball too, huh? <laughs> but if I'm not mistaken, didn't Iolani win the last four girls state basketball championships? Something like that. Yeah, way to go, Lady Raiders. No, they did a great job. Anyway, uh, you can t- uh, text or dial in at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. You know, one of the things about being here in Las Vegas, besides it's kind of cold, I mean, if you're a basketball fan and if you're not working, there is so many games going on. There's basically four tournaments underway today. The West Coast Conference ended yesterday. you got the Pac-12 at T-Mobile. you got the Mountain West going on at Thomas and Mack Center. you got the Big West, of course, and Henderson. And you had, I think, I think the WAC has their conference tournament here as well, and of course the West Coast Conference. It, it's pretty cool that there's that much going on in one city. Las Vegas has become such a bigger sports town yeah. than it used to be, and it's not anything new. It's been like this for the last five, six years. The Raiders, of course, the Knights on hockey, but it's really something. that's going to be a Final Four here coming up soon. Uh, and just more and more sporting events coming to this town. It's pretty cool. But college basketball and championship week, for one city to have all that going on, that's never happened anywhere else. It's only a matter of time before you have a professional baseball team. I'm talking Major League Baseball team. You know, somebody besides the Area 51ers or whatever they're called, and an NBA team. An NBA team and a baseball team coming soon to a Las Vegas near you. Yeah, I didn't realize, oh, I was with Derek Lowe yesterday getting our media credentials at Dollar Loan Center, and they had the logo, the G League team plays there. Um, the, 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 all, the, the, the Ignite, the um, Elite, or whatever they're called, but the, the, the G League team that is made up of all-stars plays in that arena as well. So they do have a minor league NBA team here. I just read in the paper yesterday that um, Las Vegas is making another offer to draw the San Francisco, I mean the Oakland A's, excuse me, here for the Oakland A's to play here, and there's been talk about the Oakland A's moving for a while, so maybe they get a baseball team here and then an NBA team probably right behind them. There's been a talk for a while about the Oakland A's uh, going to Las Vegas. I know on uh, one of the shows that are coming on after us this morning, I can't remember the guy's name, Fitzy or what's his name? He comes uh, on, sometimes he's uh, on Josh's show. Uh, Jason Fitz. Jason Fitz is from Las Vegas. He's a big Vegas fan. But yeah, they've been talking about. So he has kind of he's kind of Hawaii's insider in Las Vegas uh, when he's on the air. So he's been talking about that for weeks now about the A's going to uh, Las Vegas. It just makes sense that it, it, because of not only the it's a big city, but of all the tourists, the millions and millions and millions of people who are visiting every day in Las Vegas. It's uh, it, it's just. It's funny that they never did it before because of the whole gambling thing. 
It is. It really is. And I don't think the weather would be a concern like it might have been years ago when people brought it up. Uh, they can have well, an indoor stadium or a dome. Right. Uh, and you can work around that. I mean, hockey playing in warm weather, it works. Everything can work now despite the weather outside. Well, especially all the transplants you have in Florida or in the desert uh, in, you know, in Las Vegas. I mean, there's so many transplants uh, from all over the country that live there. But you have tourists from cold-weather countries. You think they're not going to want to go catch a hockey game when they're there? Anyway. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy at 12 noon. Uh, that's going on. Let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy. Also, we've got Rainbow Wahine basketball happening uh, tonight. The broadcast starts at 6 o'clock here on ESPN Honolulu.